Hey guys, it's Tim and this is Pro Wrestling Unlimited as today was the, I guess you can call a historic AEW all-in show from Wembley Stadium. We're here talking about it. And yeah, I say we because I got baby Huey over here from the In The Click podcast. Huey, what's going on? What'd you think of AEW all-in? Hey, what's going on, Tim? Uh, I'm doing great. Of course, uh, I love that it's only, what, 2.42 our time. Right. And we just got done watching a pay-per-view, and I still got the rest of the day to, to <laughs> do stuff. But uh, no, I'm doing great. Overall, I thought it was a very good show. A lot of fun. And, of course, we'll break down uh, all the matches and all my thoughts on it. Uh, but, yeah, I'm doing awesome. And, no, thank you again for uh, making the time for letting me be part of the, the review today. Oh, yeah, anytime. So, if I get a little distracted at points, I'm trying to keep okay. up with the um, media scrum that's going on as well. Tony yeah, Khan, I have it open up here. Tony Khan yeah, yeah. spoke briefly, stated that 81,305 is the paid number, and they estimate okay. about 90,000 with comps, people working in the building, and so forth. So didn't beat WrestleMania 32 as far as attended number of people there. Because that was, I think, 92 or 93. But they did get mm -hmm. the record of most tickets sold. That's where people have been confused today. It's not mm -hmm. most people at a wrestling show. It's most tickets sold. Hence, why those Collision and Korea shows don't count at all. Because those were all sold shows. Those were all the, the country paid for that. And not a single ticket was actually sold. And those yeah, had like I, I think 90 to 100,000 people at, them, at it. And as we saw on the Dark Side of the Ring documentary episode about it, it was mandatory for everyone yes. to, to go there. So right. regardless of, yeah, it, you know, it was all the tickets were comped and given to everyone. But, yeah, everyone in the area had to go to that show. So that's a that's a completely <laughs> one off separate number that doesn't really count for what we what we're talking about here as far as, you know, wrestling business and tickets sold and and who's there and whatnot. So, uh uh, no, but kudos to, to AEW. I know it was a big day today for them, and a lot of people are viewing this or calling this their version of WrestleMania as far as their biggest right. show ever and, and really establishing themselves as the second biggest wrestling promotion in, in the world. So I do want to give them props and congrats to everyone, Tony Khan and the rest of the, the team over there for for accomplishing this. And, and uh, as we saw at the end of, the, the pay-per-view is announced they're going to be back next year. So, yeah. uh, Tim, I think you and I need to get our passports and uh, try Possibly. to go overseas next year. <laughs> right. That'd be that'd be a fun yeah. one to do. But here's my question. Mm -hmm. So, when yeah. Excalibur was queuing it up to send it to Nigel McGinnis in the ring, and he was, like, mm -hmm. stumbling over his words, did anybody mm -hmm. else think that he was going to send it to Nigel and Nigel was going to say, I'm cleared to wrestle again and I'll wrestle the next week at All Out or something? Because, like, the way Excalibur was like, and we're going to, you know, send it to Nigel McGinnis, our colleague. He's in the ring. He's got a microphone in hand. And, like, just the way he was setting it up was, like, something emotional is about to happen. I'm like, oh, my God. Nigel's going to announce his unretirement in London. And then he's like, we've got 81,000 people here. And I'm like, oh, never mind. Yeah, I'm sure maybe uh, Tony Khan is in the, in their ear saying something. He's trying to, like, relay it in real right. time. Listen and, and you know listen and talk at the same time so i'm sure he was just kind of like probably like oh my god uh, uh okay yeah 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 thanks tony uh yeah yeah passing it on so uh but yeah no like i said it's a really historical day i think for all wrestling fans yes. to to witness this and and it's it's exciting times the fact that you know tim you and i you know we're old enough to remember a time pre 
uh, you know, AEW that, you know, we grew up in an era where WWF or, or WWE and WCW existed. So it's just really good that oh, yeah. we have a secondary company that's doing this well. And I think it's just overall great for the wrestling business. So I think today's day just to, uh, as a fan, pat yourself on the back for just being able to enjoy and live in this moment right now. It's it's an amazing time to be a wrestling fan. That's for sure. But before we get into all that, I got to do a little bit of housekeeping. I want to say thank you guys for joining us here. Twitch.tv forward slash Unlimited, YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited, and podcast services all around the globe like Stitcher, Spotify, Google Pod, Apple Pod, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and so much more. Remember, if you are watching live on Twitch, you can help us out a couple of different ways. You can help us out by hitting that donate button down below or by donating Twitch bits in the live chat. Also remember, Twitch has a new thing that's kind of like YouTube Super Chats, but it's called Hype Chats. You can also do that in the live chat, and we'll make sure to get all your comments, questions, and concerns read live on the air. But remember, you can also support the channel one of two different ways. You can either support with a tiered subscription, just like um, Big Anime Fan TV recently did, or you can subscribe with Amazon Prime. Remember, all you got to do is take that Amazon Prime account, take that Twitch account, link them together, bada bing, bada boom, your Prime Gaming. Prime Gaming gives you a lot of cool things like free games, free stuff for games, and you always get one free subscription to any Twitch channel you want to subscribe to throughout the month, and I'd greatly appreciate it if you did right here, Pro Wrestling Unlimited. Also remember, head over to YouTube, hit that Join button, and become a channel member. Finally, head over to the Epic Game Store. Head over to the Epic Game Store and buy something. Whether you're buying a new game, whether you're buying an old game, whether you're claiming one of the free games or getting bucks for Rocket League, Fortnite, or Fall Guys, use this code right here, PWUNLIMITED at checkout, and you will be supporting us at no extra cost. Heck, the new season of Fortnite just dropped like, what, two, three days ago? Go buy the Battle Pass, use the code. Also in Fortnite, you can get Bianca Belair. You can get Becky Lynch. They've also thrown John Cena back into the store. So if you hadn't bought John Cena last year, you can buy John Cena now. Remember, in the store, there's a creator code. Use this one, PW Unlimited. We've seen a bunch of people use that. Since Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair got uploaded, I saw a number of people use it with the new season of Fortnite as well. So support us. Doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like 10, 15, 20 seconds to put in the code then we're all good to go. But with that, as far as the show does go, so I wake up at 8.30 in the morning, and I'm like, all right, cool. I got a half hour before the pre-show. And then I look on Twitter, and there's a pre-show already going on. What? Why do they... Uh, granted, they didn't do anything special on the pre-show, but it was just weird that they have a pre-show that they kept saying pre-show starts an hour before the main card, but then they're doing stuff beforehand. Granted, all there was on the pre-show was Miro and Hobbs had a contract signing that turned into a brawl. Jeff Jarrett came out with his goons. That then led to Paul White and Anthony Agogo bringing out Grado, and Grado hits Jeff Jarrett with the, with the guitar. It was that, and then more of what we got in the second hour Renee and her cast of people talking about the show. So it was, I think on the pre-show panel was Renee, Anthony Agogo, Kip Sabian, and uh, Paul White. It yeah. just sounds like they were just trying to fill time or, or they're just trying to get the buzz going earlier in the day. But yeah, you and I in the same boat, we woke around the same time. I was getting ready and you texted me and they're like, yeah, it's been going on already. <laughs> I'm like, what? Like, I thought I was on time. It's like exactly. an extra hour of them just sitting around talking I guess good for them. Maybe they just thought like, okay, 
everyone's set up. Let's let's get an extra hour just to start hyping up our show and maybe get some last minute buys for everyone else around the world that are tuning right. in who probably got the alert on whatever Twitter or, or excuse me, X and uh, uh, notifications that, yeah, they're going live now. But yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I guess we didn't miss too much there, no. especially here. Yeah, we're, we're here on the West Coast. So what that was started with 8 a.m. Like, yeah, it's Sunday, man. I, I need my rest. I want to sleep in a little bit. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it sounds like we didn't miss too much. But uh, the, the, the second hour, which I guess originally thought was the only hour, uh, was pretty interesting yeah. considering what well, happened. And yeah, it's all the drama the, from it. Like I tweeted out earlier, I don't know if the joke actually landed. It's a zero hour, not zero hours. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> put, the, put the plural on it. I like it, Tim. Good job. So um, <laughs> yeah, no, not much happened there. We got Miro, who we haven't seen. We've seen. A little bit since collisions re- came about, but we hadn't seen Miro for quite yeah. some time. So I was happy. I'm I'm just happy in general. We're getting more Miro because I love Miro. Freaking what was it mm-hmm. two weeks ago or whatever when he made the challenge to Hobbs and he was like, "I'm going to piss on your dead cold body." And I'm like, "God damn!" So and he's been teasing his wife again, right? Well, it's no, like- no. His new thing is I don't. Uh, what is that? I don't live under a god and I've disowned my hot wife or something like something where he's by himself now. He's not the god's redeemer or favorite. He's, no, he's not God's favorite champion. Yeah. And he's okay. something about doesn't have a hot wife or whatnot. He's just out for his own redemption. He's the redeemer looking for redemption because everyone's left him or something. All right. Well, I hope he goes on a tear now. I, right? I'm with you. I miss Miro. I'm a big mm. fan of his. And let, let's get this going. Let's get some stories with him up and going on, on Collision. If that's going to be his main show, he's going to be featured on. Mm. And Hobbs is, I think, a great first opponent. Um, it looks like Hobbs is kind of back by himself, right? More like he had the Book of Hobbs. Uh, yeah, yeah. The other he did day. the thing where he, he got screwed in a match by QT. QT messed up. And then he turned on QT and, and Aaron Solo. Good. So... Mm. A little bit of a reset right there for Will Hobbs, uh, the Bay Area zone, by the way. Right. <laughs> but uh, the we, uh, I, I want Hobbs to get back to where he was before QT yes. Marshall got was in his life, and and let's see him go on a tear. So yeah, I'm all for this match when it happens. Two big hosses uh, slapping some meat against each other. I just hope for whoever wins between Miro and Hobbs, there's something as far as stakes or something given, because like there's no reason for this match to happen. And so why not say whoever wins is maybe next in line for the TNT title, whether that's Luchasaurus or Darby coming out of All Out. I just hope they put Absolutely. some sort of stakes. Because yeah. AEW too many times does a match that just a match for no reason. Well, yeah, that that's kind of AEW's MO sometimes as far as, yeah, they'll throw these random matches together and it doesn't lead to anything mm-hmm. else. And then those guys and gals disappear for weeks yep. on end. And then they're like, Oh, here's another match featuring this person you haven't seen in months. And mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> like, come on, give us something consistent here. So for, I mean, now it makes me wonder if, if the two of them going at it is a little too soon, maybe spend more time building them both back up and have like these parallel stories going like Miro's on a tear, Hobbs is on a tear. And then it mm-hmm. finally comes to a head at some point on a pay-per-view. So while I'm excited for this contract signing and for this match, it may be now it looks like it's a little bit rushed to get there. Oh yeah. I'm all for take your time, breathe. Let's do some, let's do some storytelling and, and, and properly build this up as two big threats. So when it comes to them going at it, it's like, Oh my God, who's going to win here. They have both been on a winning streak for a while. So yeah, 
but I'm with but, that. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Isn't that the entire all out card other than Darby and Luchasaurus though? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, exactly. They I mean, didn't even do anything on this show. I don't. Okay. Outside of yeah, that pre-show, I saw the the very end of the Hobbs Miro stuff. That's the only time I heard him all night say all out next week. Did you catch it ever? No, I mean, no graphics that yeah. I saw. I, I mean, I, I think for us fans watching, we can kind of guess what's going to happen next weekend. But it, it's going to be a lot of, a lot of last-minute booking this coming Wednesday on Dynamite. Right, because you got Wednesday and, and you got Saturday to build stuff up. Yeah, and I'm sure they'll throw some stuff on Rampage, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe announce one or two things. But coming out of this show, we can maybe speculate what's going to happen over the next few days. But yeah, it, it, it's kind of a bummer that we're getting two pay-per-views back-to-back and no build, or it's going to be rushed into these matches, mm-hmm. or we're going to see the quick fallout on this week's episode of Dynamite, and then all of a sudden next weekend, here's all these matches, Labor yeah. Day weekend, enjoy. And it's it like, like, ah, like, I'm waiting on to like- breathe. I'm waiting for Tuesday to come and they go, so and so is gonna fight so and so and all the face to face on dynamite. Like, okay. Yeah, that's easy what they could do too. They can just, oh yeah, you saw these two acknowledge each other. All right, we're gonna announce on social media and then have right, yeah, some I I anticipate this Wednesday's dynamite. <laughs> you're barely gonna have time to do a proper fallout after oh, yeah, no. all in and like catch your breath, maybe start telling some stories of what's going to happen after. No, this episode is really going to be just setting up all the matches for All Out, and you're, you're barely going to have time to process what happened on this pay-per-view, and you already got to set your mindset to next weekend and all the new matches that are going to happen there. Mm-hmm. So it's – I wish they would spread them apart a little bit. I mean, I get it. All Out is has become their Labor Day weekend right. annual event, and All In, I don't know why – you know, end of August, maybe that's just... When, well, no, that's now know, tradition because as we saw for next year, the 25th of yeah. August. That's the... So oh, then, no. Oh, no. Don't tell me they're doing this two pay-per-views in a row thing again next year. Probably. I can imagine that's probably going to happen next year. So it's not official or anything, but we can just assume that, yeah, next year it's going to be all in in London at Wembley 2024, and then Labor Day weekend will be all out. So maybe, but next year, if they do do that, please, AEW, do a package buy right. for these pay-per-views. Come on, man. Wait. Times are tough. Yeah. Go but, get a VPN, go to Fight TV, pretend you're from the UK, and you only have to pay 20 bucks. Oh, there you go. That's what I did. Pure VPN, not sponsored, but would like to be sponsored. Use Pure VPN all the freaking time. You hear that? <laughs> sponsor, sponsor Tim right now. Whoever VPN. is listening. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's the one way you can do it. You can go use a VPN and then buy it from Fight TV overseas. You're good okay. to go. I saved 30 bucks. That's a smart move. So, Thank you for, for the, but, the life hack. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like with next week coming up, it's like, what are they doing with MJF? No clue. What are they doing with CM Punk? No clue. FTR, the Young Bucks. Omega, maybe Takeshita. Yep. That's one of the ones I'm trying to think of because you're like you said earlier, like we could see some of the things that happened tonight that could lead to next mm-hmm. week, but there's not much. There's really not I, much. I'm looking at all like I have it right here, the results written right here, and it's like Stadium Stampede. Okay, maybe Orange Cassidy and Moxley off of that. Yeah, what, for the, Soraya and Tony yeah. Storm next week. Well, why would like because they feuded up, but then it's like yeah. well, 
Soraya pinned Tony. Why do we need to see? I, mean, I have so no clue. I'll, so yeah, if I had early predictions, what could happen next weekend at All Out? Just Hook based on what Punk. we saw here, Hook and CM Punk. Yeah, no, I, I doubt it, but <laughs> but I, I'm sure CM Punk, since he opened the show tonight on the main card, since it's in Chicago next week, I'm sure he will be the last match. He'll be an event all out. I'm sure MJF and Adam Cole, maybe they'll just be defending the ROH tag titles next Sunday just to have them on the card. And then after that, they can go on telling their story mm-hmm. and where that's going to go. Yeah, you're right. Mox and Orange Cassidy, that could be for the international title next weekend. I'm sure. Yeah. The Outcasts have been one of the bigger women's factions in AEW. They're done. I don't know if it's such a. <laughs> yeah, but uh, like, is it worth rushing already a week later? Right. Into what could be a bigger storyline, but just already throw it next week. So, yeah, could it be Soraya and Tony Storm next weekend? But it's like uh, they could, but yeah. Sor- Tony's the one Soraya pinned. It's not like they turned on each other and then Soraya pinned Britt. She pinned yeah. Tony. Yeah. So maybe on Dynamite, yeah, Tony calls her out and says, How dare right? you pin me in front of. 80,000 people. I'm so embarrassed. I challenge you for a match this Sunday. But I'm trying day, to see. It's so. like FTR, no clue what tag team they have ready for them. Yeah. The claim. Yeah. I don't know. And then the, the only, we'll just talk about it really fast. The only three matches announced for next week, TNT title, Luchasaurus mm-hmm. versus Darby Allen, TBS mm-hmm. title, Chris Statlander and Ruby Soho, and then the Miro okay. Powerhouse Hobbs. So maybe maybe the women's title doesn't get defended. They just want to give more attention to the TBS title instead. Possible. Just give 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 them a breather this weekend. So it, it's <laughs> it, it's almost like all out could potentially just be all the overflow extra matches that didn't make it this card. Mm-hmm. It's just gonna happen next weekend instead. So maybe that's I mean plan. that's very possible. I yeah. still I wonder, they didn't do it tonight, so would they do like a Casino Battle Royale next week to get a bunch of people on the show or whatnot? They could. Which is, Which they, yeah, they've normally done at the all-out show is the Casino Battle Royale. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's going to be interesting to see what happens these next few days. So, yeah, we're still processing, but, yeah, it's going to be all-out mode in, in a mm-hmm. few days already. As far as this show does go, it did open up on the pre-show, second hour of the pre-show, with the... ROH tag team titles on the line. MJF and Adam Cole challenging Aussie Open, Kyle Fletcher and Mark Davis for those AEW tag team championships. I thought it was a fun match. I really liked it. I thought it was a good way to open up the show. No shenanigans. It was straight up. No one teased anything. No one turned on the other. No one just had a match with a double clothesline and a kangaroo kick. <laughs> that that's the thing I, I guess for them it was a smart move as far as well i was still you know scratching my head like why are they gonna have adam cole mjf who are gonna be in the main event on the pre-show but i guess they for whatever reason they they want that roh tag titles on them that can lead to no some clue. extra s- storytelling so, so it, but they're the two popular guys right now in the company so it's almost like you got them to book in the night as right. far as they're going to start the show, get the crowd red hot, and then end the night as well. So from that standpoint, it was a cool move. But, yeah, everyone was just waiting for the double clothesline and the, the kangaroo kick, which got the biggest pop, <laughs> uh, one of the biggest pops of the night. So here's my question to you, though. They win the ROH mm-hmm. Tech titles. but Could you see that as a consolation prize? Because they couldn't beat FTR for the AEW Tag titles, which that was the reason they became a team. They were put together in the blind tournament to go yeah. after 
the main tag titles. And then, essentially, if we're looking at it, they get the NXT tag titles, the ROH tag <laughs> titles. It's like it's like if <laughs> Damian Priest and Dominic just can't beat Sammy and Kevin. So they're going to go get the NXT tag titles instead. Well, it, you know, it's very interesting you say that. I wonder, well, I, I'm just throwing this out there. Maybe next weekend is champion versus champion mjf adam cole versus ftr winner take all winner take all maybe i don't know uh and but yeah maybe that's what they do this wednesday it's like hey we want a rematch like we're best friends because of this blind tag tournament Mm -hmm. and even though we lost to you the first time we're even closer now we challenge you and maybe maybe yeah it leads to uh, you know, champion versus champion match, right. and then they get the AEW tag titles off them Ooh. one week later. You know, from uh, I know everyone was thought maybe Cash was going to drop the tag titles after you know the, the gun mm-hmm. stuff that's going on around him. But it, it's the, the, this match itself was a lot of fun, and but yeah, I, I'm curious though, like how long they can be ROH tag team champions because theoretically. Now you got to go behind a paywall on Honor Club to watch them right. defend it. And these are two of the biggest names in the company, but now you're going to force fans to go behind a paywall to watch them defend these titles or or for the time being, these titles are going to be defended on week-to-week television on TBS or TNT. So that's going to be the interesting part. And that's why I was a little shocked to see that they won these titles. But it sounds like there's going to be more of a, a plot device for their mm-hmm. long-term story here. So I'm sure it's going to create some... Uh, dissension amongst them at some point. As far as the matches go, uh, Aussie Open attacked Cole and MJF on the inside, outside of the ring. The bell officially rings as MJF was isolated early on on the uh, heel side of the ring, and he kept trying to make the tag, but they couldn't quite get it. MJF got a throat shot at one point and wanted to go for the kangaroo kick, but Fletcher put some stops to that. MJF finally did a roll and made it to the hot tag for Adam Cole. They really, like... Played up that MJF's got back problems and screwed him over quite a few times. Like he was just laying there a few times, just out, and that played into the main event as well. Adam Cole gets yeah. the Adam Cole gets the hot tag, runs wild, kicks and clotheslines. Fletcher avoided the boom, but not a backstabber. Cole got a two off of it. Uh, at one point, Davis and Fletcher hit a double thrust kick on MJF, and that connected with the Aussie arrow for a near fall. There's some friendly fire as Aussie Open hit each other. As MJF hit the kangaroo kick, crowd goes wild in Wembley. MJF and Colton hit the double clothesline, folded up Fletcher, and pinned him one, two, three to become the tag team champions. Fun opener. Crowd was hot for it, but crowd was hot for this, but they didn't seem as hot at uh, five hours later for the main event. Yeah, well, that's unfortunately just one of the casualties of a long stadium show like this mm-hmm. is. No matter what, by the end of the night, unless you have this major oh my god moment, the crowd's gonna get just naturally fatigued here. Right. And that, that's something we we talked about off the air. It's like I enjoyed this show, but I felt like it was missing like that really big oh my god moment that's really gonna be uh remembered for years to come. Yeah. And the main event, we can talk about that later, obviously, when we get there. But it it, it while it can it it did its job of continuing their story moving forward. I think it gets people hooked to what's going to happen next between these two. Nothing major happened between the two of them tonight as far as like one turning on the other. So yeah, I think since there was that, Oh my God moment, the crowd just didn't have a reason to like go into a second win and let out all this extra energy Mm. here, if that makes sense. So, but yeah, but fun opener here just to get the crowd going on zero hour. Oh Yeah. And so that was the first of two matches. Before the next match starts, 
They show Mercedes Monet in the crowd. But then they did, like, nothing with her. They showed her again later during the trios tag match. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, okay, that's an interesting spot to show her on the, because they only showed her before on the zero hour, the pre-show. Then they show yeah. her during the trios match later, and I'm like, what? Like, why would she be there if there's nothing to it? But I'm going to read the Fightful report that they put up about Mercedes, which there's really nothing to it at all. Okay. Basically, they just say that the two sides may have been talking, but uh, Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful does write, quote, Mercedes Monet is at AEW All-In, and that might not be it. Mercedes Monet was shown in attendance at AEW All-In in London, causing natural speculation that she could become she be, could be coming to All Elite Wrestling. Fightful can confirm mm-hmm. that there have been recent conversations between the two sides and that she's, quote, open to appearing, with one source even showing heavy optimism that the two sides will be working together. Another source spoke as if it was in the works. This would be the first time she has appeared on AEW television. So it was like, she's up to appearing. Doesn't sound like she wants to sign with AEW, though. And that's been the things like, okay. she hasn't wanted to sign anywhere long term mm-hmm. or anything. So I still think in the back of her head, the ultimate goal is to go back to WWE eventually. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think she's... If she's can if she can and she's able to and a company allows it, she rather just I probably paid by appearance type of situation mm-hmm. here. And it sounds like that's what she was doing over in Japan, which is to her benefit because yeah, it's nothing long term. So she can keep working, but then when she finds maybe a better opportunity, then she can go there and not be locked down to one particular place. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure for her, she's she I'm I'm guessing she would love to do something in AEW back in America or right. North America. But not something long term, as you said, maybe there could be a, a great calling for her um, back with WWE at some point. So I'm thinking in the short term, if she if AEW wants to pay by appearance, I think what can maybe happen since she was featured in that acclaim match, like shown in the crowd, mm-hmm. maybe she can team with the acclaim and can do four on four with her and the acclaim versus House of Black and uh, you know with them and Julia. then or yeah. with Julia Hart. Or maybe they could do some point maybe a match for her versus Soraya and there's history there obviously for anyone who knows you know, uh, uh, <laughs> Paige Paige and uh, Sasha Banks had the match and Sasha Banks injured uh, uh, Paige uh, which ultimately sidelined her for all those years so there is history there as well so maybe I think that's the two immediate stories you mm-hmm. go with 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 Mercedes Monet in in AEW well that's why I keep refreshing from the scrum because I want to see if she shows up at the scrum at all. Like, maybe confront okay. Saray or this and that. Now, we do know from the scrum, Penta is the next challenger to the uh, international championship. It'll be Penta versus Orange Cassidy for the title on Dynamite Wednesday. Interesting. Yeah, Penta came out. Orange Cassidy was in the scrum. Penta then okay. came out and confronted him, and they announced this Wednesday, Penta versus Orange for the title. Hmm. That's an interesting one. Not even saving it for next week. But it's like, okay. what did Penta even do in this match? He got taken out and then came back in red. And then almost killed himself falling off of a broken ladder. I was going to say, that broken ladder spot was... Uh, and then they used I, the I same just, ladder to try it again. I was worried because, like, oh, that's going to be clipped and used on so many Twitters. <laughs> just a botch oh, right yeah. there. I felt bad. Botchamania, here they come. <laughs> I know, exactly. <laughs> that That ladder folded. Because it's not a, hey, we can stand on both sides ladder. That's a, you're only supposed to be on one side. The other side is not going to hold any weight. But they <laughs> exactly. made it work. 
Yeah. Uh, Alex uh, was, I give him credit. He recognized what was going on and quickly yes. held it down so they can still finish the spot real quick. Let's see. Speaking of the next match on the Zero Hour, we did get Hook challenging Jack Perry for the FTW Championship in an FTW Rules match. Now remember, the match that Perry won the FTW title was not contested under FTW Rules. And this match, well, this match ultimately led to one Jack Perry getting kicked out of the building. We'll talk about that afterwards. But yeah, he got sent home because of his glass spot. So they do the entrances. Jack Perry comes out in a limo, and the limo stays at the top of the ramp. Also, Jim Ross joined commentary for this match, and Jim Ross was on one tonight. He asked at one point if Freddie Mercury could be here. No, I, I heard that. I was someone like, come goes, on, JR. I, I tweeted that, and someone goes, oh, you don't get sarcasm? Yeah, no, that's not Jim Ross being sarcastic. He's literally, I don't know. And then there was another, hold on, I want to find the tweet that I sent out. There was another good like, JR moment, too. Yeah, when I heard that, I was like, oh, come on. Like, it's <laughs> You can be sarcastic, but it's like when everyone knows Freddie Mercury is no longer hasn't hasn't been with us for yeah. 30 plus years like that. That's just it's a stupid sarcastic joke to make. Like, I'm trying to find come the, on, JR. the other one because he said something else in that same match. And I was like, what? Oh, he didn't know which young buck was which young buck. Nick Jackson did a dive over the top rope and took out both members of FTR on the outside. And he goes. Well, that looked like it hurt the Jackson just as much as FTR. <laughs> He's been here for uh, almost five years. He started the company. The Jackson. <laughs> Can't tell him apart. It's like back in the day. Oh, which one's Scott Dawson and which one's um, whoever their names were in WWE? No one could ever yeah. tell the like. No one knew because they never ex- distinguished themselves. They were just like, we're the revival. That was always the joke back in the day with the revival, but I don't know. So Jim Ross is on commentary here. Perry came out in a uh, limo, and Hook was like, I ain't waiting for you. Hook went all the way to the top, and they basically this was a fight on the limo match because the whole match took Mm -hmm. place basically on the limo. At one point, Jack Perry did a RVD rolling thunder from the top of the limo onto the hood of the limo. He then looks into the camera and goes, that's real glass. Cry me a river. And if you don't know the story there, so maybe a month or two ago, he was at a collision taping, and I I guess it has to do with this spot. I don't know. But they were setting something up, talking about doing something, and he's like, no, we'll just use real glass. And many people were like, no, you shouldn't. And so they literally, for some reason, Tony Schiavone asked CM Punk to talk to Jack Perry on why you shouldn't use real glass, and... That didn't go well. It was then in the media spun as like Jack Perry doesn't want to listen and Jack Perry just wants to do whatever he wants. And so that's why he did what he did here. The whole it's real glass Crimea River. He then got put through the windshield, cut up his left arm elbow area. And um, finally, match goes back to ringside. Perry hit a draping DDT off the barricade to regain control, placing a trash can in front of Hook. Perry then went up top and mocked like he was going to do the RVD coast to coast, but then flipped off the crowd instead. Hook then tried fighting back, but Perry hit a rolling bridges suplex for a few near falls. Perry then tried a moonsault on top of the trash can, but Hook moved and leveled Perry with a lariat. There was an across face punch that led to the red rum and Perry retaining or regaining 
the FTW Championship. This was fine, nothing special, but it was the first of four hardcore matches tonight. Four. It was, uh, yeah, to me, it's like they really kind of overdid it as far as the outside of the ring brawling and yeah. using foreign objects and whatnot, outside objects. And so um, the match here, I guess, served its purpose as far mm. as getting the FTW title back on hook. And I guess it's not going to get retired now as Jack Perry wanted mm-hmm. to 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 accomplish recently. Uh, the match was fine as far as you know, as far as the the spot, the suplex on the limo right. crashing through the window uh, that looked painful, just with the glass shards in their the back of their body, and they started bleeding. Uh, the, the match itself, it's. <laughs> It's unfortunate because now the drama that happened afterwards is what's going to be talked out more compared to what happened in this match here. So as far as where Hook goes, it just seems like it's just going to go back to the status quo of Mm. him being FTW champion. And he's just going to occasionally defend it every once in a while. I want to see Hook advance in his character work. And if you're going to have that title exist in AEW, do something more with it. Make it more significant other than just the title that his dad once had, and he just still carries it around. So moving forward, I want to see more out of hook. I want to see more his, uh, his character evolve to some extent and just, you know, give me a, care, a reason to care about this guy other than, you know, the occasional match he has. So, uh, but yeah, as you mentioned earlier, it seems like more of the drama after the match is what people are going to remember more from this, from this night. Right, and if you didn't hear what happened, so the next match was the opening match of the night. It was CM Punk versus Samoa Joe. So, one would assume as Jack Perry and Hook are coming through the curtain to go to the backstage area after their match, Joe and Punk are either already there or just about to get there. And there was an incident backstage, legit incident, with CM Punk and Jack Perry that did get physical. I'm going to read the Fightful report here. There's also a PW Insider report, but Fightful references it, so we only have to read the one. But Fightful, Sean Sap does write, quote, CM Punk and Jack Perry had an altercation backstage at AEW All-In. Details are few and far between at the moment, but we have learned that Jack Perry and CM Punk had an altercation shortly before CM Punk went to the ring for his AEW All-In match. Jack Perry was on right before him and did a spot on a car window and said, quote, It's real glass, cry me a river. That was a shot at Punk, who had a confrontation at an AEW collision taping this summer over Perry's insistence on using real glass for a spot on the show. We're told that Perry wasn't happy with how the situation was relayed publicly but those close to, by those close to Punk. We have learned that at least one side of the story, which claims that Jack Perry approached CM Punk backstage and, quote, stepped in his face and, quote, bumped Punk. Punk was said to have pushed Perry. Perry allegedly, quote, came at Punk and got choked. We haven't heard any particular kind of choke or who broke things up. Please note that this is only one side of the story and more details will emerge. Now, Mike Johnson of PW Insider states that he originally heard Punk swung and tried to punch Perry. That was debunked. That didn't happen. What did happen, though, was the choke. Perry came at Punk and Punk choked him. Again, don't know what kind of a choke it was. Don't know how long the choke was in. Now, Miro tried to go on social media, send out a tweet saying this was fake and untrue. But... Tony Khan, in the post-show press conference, the media scrum did confirm that there was a backstage altercation, and he cannot speak any further on other than saying that it happened because it is, quote, 
under investigation. Didn't say what under investigation means, whether that's just the company looking into it or cops got called. I don't know. I wouldn't put it against Punk to want to file a, an assault charge or something. But, yeah, uh, the report from um, PW Insider also states that Punk was still at the building an hour or so after his match, but Perry was told to leave. So Jack Perry was kicked out of the building. AEW does, you know, um, Fightful does state that they reached out to both sides and haven't actually heard from either side specifically. And then they close this with stating, to clear up a misconception regarding their prior argument and, quote, Perry trying not to come to work the next week, we're told that he had pre-planned and approved vacation. So there we go. More details will come out because there was another thing where there was that thing that Punk said on Collision about people not wanting to come to work and he makes all the towns. And some thought that that was a shot at Jack Perry because in the original okay. report, it was that Jack Perry was at the Collision taping because he wasn't going to be at the Dynamite taping next week. Some thought that he just didn't want to show up at Dynamite next week. and so, I don't know. There's a lot here to unfold and still so much we don't know. Yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate that once again the drama behind the scenes is overshadowing what happened in the ring, but mm. Hey, that's an AEW pay-per-view for <laughs> you, I guess. And that's something you, you, you and I joked about. It's like, man, more drama behind the scenes involving CM Punk. And I listen, I know we got a lot of matches to talk about, so I don't want to you know, over, you know, overstay, stay talking about the CM Punk stuff, but uh, it's just unfortunate that there was an altercation as far as what happened. It's hearsay versus, you know, person versus person. I, it's, and I'm sure we'll get more info over the coming days. You know, more people maybe who witnessed it can explain what happened. Mm-hmm. It's just unfortunate that Tony Khan or the powers that be need to do a better job of, of sitting people down and trying to resolve some of these issues here because it's, there's still a lot of tension there in that locker room and people are blowing up on each other. Yeah. And if you don't address it appropriately, it's going to lead to more stuff like this for, for the foreseeable future. So the, the, the authorities there in AW need to like really stand their ground, but like, we're the authority here. You guys need to cut this out, talk it out. Let's 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 resolve this to a certain extent. But if you just leave it alone, it's yeah, it's going to be more blow ups like this. And this is going to happen on a regular basis. But um, kind of interesting side note, just the order of matches here. So you got Jack Perry and then Punk and and, and then Punk. And then after that, it was um, Omega uh, Omega, <laughs> and, you know, members of the elite. And then after that, FTR versus the Young Bucks. So. Within you know these first four matches, or you know three on the main show and the last one mm-hmm. on Zero Hour, it's involving all these people that have some sort of tension with each other. I thought the point being, if if okay, if Dynamite is going to be the elite side of the roster and Collision is going to be CM Punk and friends over here, when it comes to a show where everyone has to be in the same building, I thought they would like break it, you know, space it right. apart. I thought if CM Punk is going to start the show all the elite members are going to be towards the end of the show. No, mm. they're back to back to back. So the chances of people walking past each other and seeing each other 
it was very high right there exactly. and now look we see drama drama happen again so whoever ordered these matches you know kind of horse on them for kind of creating <laughs> some unnecessary drama like you should have spaced them out like let's see him punk go first get his business done and then let him go in the locker room be away from it all and then let uh, some other matches happen and then the elite can happen after that so just kind of order here it's like who did this was this done on purpose just to get some right. drama going so i don't all right, so this is the last I'm going to address this. Alex in the YouTube chat says, WrestleMania 35 is the real paid attendance record, 82,265. No, that is not. That is how many people WWE said was there. Mm -hmm. And WWE, their numbers are never true. They always inflate them. 82,000 at WrestleMania 35 is not the real number. Plus, that is the attendance number, not the tickets sold number. That is the attendance number that they put out there, not the ticket sold number. And they said it too. They've said, I'm looking at WWE's website, attendance record, WWE 35 sets a MetLife Stadium attendance record, 82,265. Not the same thing. That's what people aren't understanding. A, this is how many tickets we sold record, and a, this is how many people were here record. Plus, Tony mm -hmm. said there was at least close to 90,000 people. So that's still... More than WWE's fake 82,000 number, buddy. I was there at WrestleMania 35. There nice. were a lot of people there, but, <laughs> but it was also a very rainy day, and it was yeah. that's a whole other conversation. Well, I'm glad it didn't rain knows. here. There was a 40% chance of raining in London all day. Yeah, and they did so. the, the, the ceiling open, so yeah. I was kind of, yeah, or the roof open, I should say. So I'm kind of, yeah, I was kind of concerned. Hopefully, you know, no rain, but hey, it all worked out for everyone. So then the main show opens up. We got Excalibur saying it's Wembley, and you know what that means. Welcoming us to the biggest AEW show in history, and we open it up with CM Punk versus Samoa Joe for the real world's title. They don't even call it like championship or anything. It's real world's title. And I thought this was a great opening match between these two. I loved that Nigel McGinnis was on commentary for this match. Also, did you notice they did split ring announcers? They had Dasha doing the collision matches and justin roberts doing the dynamite matches exactly so loosely does confirm there's a little bit of a, a roster right brand split <laughs> with aew like some guys go back and forth like the acclaimed are on both shows and stuff but for the most part yeah. you have your collision stuff and your mm -hmm. dynamite stuff as we saw here because i'm like wait dasha no justin roberts so then i went rewound the pre-show and i go oh no there's justin roberts okay we're good <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're both turns. just doing it. And I, I do love kind of like they kind of mixed it up with some of the commentators yeah. throughout the night, like uh, with Nigel, JR. Um, by the way, I, I'm still so happy for Nigel. Like I always was a big mm -hmm. fan of his commentary work, especially you know, his time in NXT. And so I'm really glad to see him back in, you know, doing commentary for AEW. Just listening to him call a match of the, or a, a show of this size, yes. it just makes it feel extra special, extra bigger just him with his, his emotions and his reaction to big spots in the match. So, yes, I, I think Nigel was the best signing this year for <laughs> AEW. <laughs> so I did like, um, I think it was during the entrance, Nigel made a reference saying Joe has got a sweet tooth for revenge. I thought that was a fantastic reference to Samoa Joe playing sweet tooth on Twisted Metal, which if you haven't watched that show, go watch it. It's way better than it has any right to be. I'm Really? Okay. Yeah, I'm... I don't know why they didn't just let Joe also do the voice. They had to get Will Arnett to do it, but yeah, because they it's Will Arnett, you could tell, but they also have a voice changer on it anyways. So it's like, 
Joe could have mm. done it. We, Joe's done plenty of voiceover work in the past anyway, so it's not like Joe can't do a voice. But mm-hmm. regardless, mm-hmm. Samoa Joe shows why professional wrestlers need to be doing acting because he was one of the best actors in this show with just his body language. And that's something you learn from wrestling. Body language. Knowing how mm. to convey your story without saying a single word. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I have to check it out over on uh, Peacock. Peacock the cock. <laughs> the punk smirks as he gets the first chop in on this match and uses his speed early to avoid some strikes from Joe. There's a headlock, and Joe slid to the floor and lit up Punk with some more chops. Back inside the ring, Punk was teetering on the ropes like Terry Funk, getting chopped relentlessly. At one point, Joe regained control and hit his old-school ROH Ole Ole kicks inside, but Punk tried another Hurricane Rana off the apron. There was a Hurricane Rana before this in the ring that looked like freaking Joe landed on the top of his head. But uh, Punk, at this point, jumps off the apron, goes for a Hurricane Rana, Joe catches him and just boom slams him right into the front of the announce desk, and I like cool. Nigel going. I at first didn't know what hit me, but then I realized that was CM Punk's head that hit my leg. <laughs> <laughs> so Punk comes out of the table all busted open. A lot of blood on this show tonight in multiple mm-hmm. matches. Joe then picked him apart for a while. At one point, Punk got Joe down. Did a John Cena style comeback. He hit the tackles, the spinning back suplex, put the hand up like he was gonna go for a five knuckle shuffle, and instead he did the the old Hulk Hogan leg drop. So he paid homage to both John Cena and Hulk Hogan in the same little move sequence. But Joe wasn't having it, and Hulk right up, fired off some strikes and a snap uh, snap power slam. Joe then locked in an STF, transitioned into a face uh, face cross face. There was some more Terry Funk stuff here where the crowd was loudly booing Punk at one point who does the Terry Funk spinning toehold, which Joe mm-hmm. escaped from inside of a cradle. Then Punk avoided a muscle buster and hit his old ROH finisher, the Pepsi Plunge, to pick up the victory and retain the real world's championship. That Pepsi Plunge in. <laughs> I was going to say, I-, I was curious how this finish was going to be because after we saw, was it last weekend on Collision, we saw, you know, Punk trying to do the go to sleep mm-hmm. on Joe, and it wasn't Been perfectly <laughs> executed. Granted, Smojo is a big boy, so, and Samo, and uh, CM Punk's a little bit older, so right. I'm sure it's a little bit tougher to throw a, a big guy that size over your head and then do the, the knee in the face. So I was curious, okay, they might do a different finish here if CM Punk's going to go over just to... Don't want to have to to, to repeat themselves <laughs> what happened on Collision a couple weeks ago and just have people go like, oh, that looked bad. So uh, with the Pepsi Plunge, I thought that was a great solution of like, let's get a win for Punk and as a finish for this match here. So nothing yet, but Soraya's at the press conference and did state, I can't wait for Mercedes Monet to join AEW. Okay. Um, it also is noted by Tony Khan, Mercedes is not cleared. He thought it would be great to have her here just, so she can see the show. He brought her in okay. just to watch is what he's saying. So maybe it was more mm. like a, hey, we're going to bring you in and we're going to court you and we're going to try to sign you and we're going to treat you well and this and that. Yeah, we'll give you the 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 big, big, uh, what's the word? I'm just, superstar yeah. treatment. Su- superstar treatment, yeah, at, at, at the stadium today. Yeah. And, and see, if you join us, you get this all the time. <laughs> we'll treat you like money. <laughs> so, uh, uh It'll be, yeah, we'll see what happens here. I, I, I just had a feeling that Mercedes was not going to be gone this long. From, yeah, I thought she'd be back. Where's yeah. she still not cleared? 
So what? She's been. She got injured. What? Three months ago? It's it was three a, months. Wasn't now. it in April? Right. I thought it was. Was it end of May? Maybe it was May. So I don't know what's the timetable of uh, you know, a, a fracture like that. It was, uh, would she suffer? Okay, so it was May. The first okay. broken ankle or mid May, but usually. Unless it was like way worse than anybody expected, usually that's six, seven, eight weeks max. Exactly. So, uh, uh, yeah, I'm surprised. Yeah, if she's not cleared yet, so maybe mm-hmm. there's a little bit of a, a little bit of a issue here. Which, by the way, I, I'm surprised Brian Danielson didn't have a presence here, right? Because he, he broke his arm. To, he was supposed to two be there ago. in attendance, but I don't know. Okay, interesting. Hmm. As far as the next match does go, six-man tag team match. It was the Golden Elite, Kenny Omega, Kota Ibushi, and Hangman Page against Kanosuke Takeshita, Jay White, and Juice Robinson. It was funny. They really tried to play up, you know, the first all-in, the Golden Elite was in the main event. Well, Kota Ibushi was with the Young Bucks, but not Kenny or Hangman, but that's whatever. They did do the cool camera entrance for the um, Bullet Club Elite, the guns entrance with the whole spinning the camera around them and everything. Mm-hmm. I think that's really well mm-hmm. shot, and they did it good here with the little entrance tunnel they had. They used mm-hmm. that. You got Juice, of course, just being Juice. <laughs> I really like what they're doing with Jay White, Juice Robinson, and the guns. Yeah. It seems like they are really embracing, okay, we're we're going to be the most obnoxious group mm-hmm. of guys on this roster, and their personalities all kind of fit each other pers- uh, perfectly. And so when Jay White and Juice Robinson continue this whole uh bullet club gold thing i was like wait i thought jay white left new japan he's not a member anymore but he's like doing his own version in AEW. And as far as adding members from the current AEW roster i thought the guns were a great addition because they're obnoxious as well and right. annoying and so they all feed off each other and so they're playing like great obnoxious heels right now so I- i've been digging everything they've been doing and and while going into this show i wasn't like it seemed kind of sudden when they just attacked kenny omega last week during that jr interview mm. but then it kind of makes sense because during the, the 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 promo video they had setting this up they're like you know they all thought um uh, oh my god now i'm totally blanking but it was like kenny omega and them were saying like we're the best version of bullet club mm-hmm. right and it's like no we we i think our era bullet club was better and and you know everything they represent for the company and whatnot. So I really enjoy, like, there's some history there between everyone involved here. As far as the match does go, it's just a wild brawl early on. A lot of people just going at it. All six men face off. It finally was isolated down to Robinson, and uh, Robinson was isolated by Page and Omega early on, who fired off some chops. Ibushi then tagged in, and Robinson bailed to tag into White, who reignited their old rivalry from New Japan. Ibushi no-sold everything White threw at him at first and punted White in the chest with a kick before firing off the Golden Lovers double-team move. They then did the same thing to Takeshita, who had it scouted, though, and sent Omega to the floor. No, he was sent to the floor, and then Omega hit his Terminator dive. Robinson at one point took out the ref, so the guns held up Omega long enough for White to dodge a diving Omega and gain control. At one point, Ibushi tried to save Omega and briefly had a slugfest with Takeshita, but the numbers of White and Robinson were too much as Page, uh, as they took out Page. Omega and Takeshita traded forearms until Takeshita, um, Takeshita took out Omega. Um, Omega at one point fought out of the corner and nearly dove for a tag, but the guns pulled Page and Ibushi away. 
That worked the first time, but then they tried to do it again, and it didn't work. At one point, White avoided a Deadeye as Ibushi got the blind tag and hit White with a combo and a standing moonsault. Omega and Ibushi then did their double moonsaults. Ibushi had a little trouble getting his footing on the, the ropes first before he did his moonsault, but it all worked out. They're fighting, going. Kenny Omega takes the advantage. He's hitting everybody with V-triggers. And then all of a sudden, Takeshita just runs in, rolls him up, and pins him one, two, three. Handful of tights, of course. But, yeah, Takeshita gets that flash roll-up victory, which was not the only time we saw that tonight. They went to that well a couple of times as well. But Takeshita gets the win. Don Callis, who was on commentary, super happy. I do think this could lead to Kenny and Takeshita next week. I don't know if it's been announced, but... Actually, yeah, I'm uh, looking up a uh, Stephanie Chase. She's at the media scrum right okay. now. Uh, she did tweet out Tony Khan has made uh, Takesha versus Omega official for All Out next week. So, gotcha. Yeah. So there we go. So it makes sense now. This finish. While I was shocked, I think like everyone, because I think we all assume Kenny Omega and his team's gonna win here versus the the annoying heel. Mm-hmm. But no, it, 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 a roll up, which like you said, I think between like the hardcore matches or outside matches and the use of the roll-up like We've those two the main things event. Done, yeah those are both used a lot tonight which kind of sucks it kind of devalues i think mm-hmm. oversaturates those those situations but uh but now it makes sense why Takesha getting the rolled up victory over kenny omega it makes sense here because it sets up their one-on-one match for next weekend right. so so okay a multi-man tag match here kenny omega making the sacrifice but the setup the bigger important match next week for, for the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Now here's the thing with talking about, you know, multiple matches having the same similar finish. That kind of goes back to what Lefisto said when she went and had her time with AEW that one day where she said, there's no structure. There's a lot of people just doing whatever they want. No one talking to each other. So you don't overstep and do the same thing. And I had about a year and a half ago or so, someone that worked at AEW show as an extra, tell me the same stuff. No one knows mm-hmm. what they're doing. They finally get to the ring, and then there's like, oh, let's just do this. There's never anybody like, like you'll see on the board, okay, you're in this match, you're doing this, you're doing that, but it's okay. never someone's going to come to you, ask you what you're going to do, and then say, yes, you can do that, or no, you can't do that. Like The same person told me they worked a WWE show before. They were there as an extra, but never got a match, but saw how everything went down, and it was, okay. a producer's going to come to you, ask what your thought of, what do you want to do for your finish? Then that producer is going to take it back to the other producers and say, here's what my guys want to do. What are your guys going to do? Does anything contradict? Is anything similar? And then the WWE producer will come back to you. This person told me none of that in AEW. It's just like, oh, that's what you want to do? Okay, cool. You got this amount of time. (laughs) So a total (laughs) free-for-all. Yeah. It was like like in the Lufisto interview she did with Fightful. She was like, we were in a six-woman tag. We got together, and they were just like, I asked them, what do they want to do? They told me all this stuff, and then they just change it on me in the middle of the match and don't do anything we talked about. So it sounds like there's no, at the time, no authority figure or or someone to be like, hey, you can't change it up. You got to do it as it's planned going out there, and there's no form of punishment if you don't, if you don't do it that way, if you change it up on someone, because that's not right, because then there creates a lot of confusion in the Mm -hmm. ring, and then, you know, could create some you know uh, uh some unwanted accidents in that ring so um that's unfortunate so hopefully things change or have been changing over the last year and a half since mm-hmm. those initial um situations happened back then so um but yeah it's 
Oh, man. I'm just like, just behind the scenes. Like, I just, <laughs> yeah, wish there was some better structure over there. Uh, Soraya did state, so Tony Khan said that he loved being able to work with Soraya's family tonight. And Soraya stated that her brother Zach is coming to the United States in the next couple of months, but didn't give any other details. I, I know he, he he really wants to follow in his sister's footstep and and get uh, an opportunity to be successful here in North America, mm-hmm. be a wrestler over here. Right. And as we know, we've seen in their movie, the movie about her and her family, it, it's it, it's really like Zach is like the, the really uh, the I'm trying to think of the right word, like the wrestler that really wanted them to make it. And mm. that's always been kind of like a little bit of a guilt on her side of things. Yeah. She always felt guilty that she made it big and he did it. And so I'm sure for her, she's trying to do everything maybe in this second run of her career to get her brother an opportunity to, to, to live out his dreams over here in America. So right. I, I hope he does get something. I, I, I don't watch. I've never seen him wrestle before. So I don't know how good he is, whatnot. But, you know, if there's a way they can kind of bring him into a storyline, maybe give him a run in AEW, that way he can just at least said he did it at least one time over here. So well, fingers crossed for him. Also, Saray talked about she's writing a book. She said Tony Khan helped her complete that book as far as, like, you know, this part of her story. And mm. she says that her book, her book, uh, Tony says she completed her book. So I don't know exactly what that means on if she just finished writing the book or if her and AEW is the conclusion to the book. I don't know. As we've seen with like Jericho and Jim Ross, they just keep writing more books when they do more stuff <laughs> in their career. At least maybe give her a new chapter. Right. And, you know, up until what, a couple years ago, it was, uh, it was unfortunately like a sad ending to her story. Mm-hmm. But now being an AEW gives her a whole new run of her career and this is actually something positive to focus on and she was able to come overcome the odds heal herself up and and be able to come back into wrestling so maybe that's what she meant that like in her career right. he gave her a, a second life so opportunity for her story to be told because i mean like jericho calls himself the ocho because he's had eight world titles but he probably can call himself the ocho because doesn't he have like seven eight books <laughs> something like that i should ask him that i actually did text jericho yesterday i said hey man good luck nice uh, i texted him i texted him i said hey man really cool tribute fozzy did for bray wyatt the other night and uh i said good luck this weekend from 80 plus thousand people and he said mm-hmm. thanks man so he's just what a crazy weekend so oh, yeah. yeah no shout out to chris uh i know he's having a lot of fun right now this weekend and along with the whole AEW roster Speaking of paying tribute to Bray Wyatt and others, we saw uh, FTR in the next match against the Young Bucks. They had uh, armbands on. I think um, Cash had one for Brody and Bray, and then Dax had one that said Brody and one that said Jay for Jay Briscoe, so they paid tribute mm-hmm. there. And then mm-hmm. I think I saw somebody else. Maybe it was Mercedes had one on yeah. that said Wyndham. Mm-hmm. She had one. I saw that, so that was very cool that yeah. they're all – paying their respects to mm-hmm. uh, the fallen wrestlers from, Which, from this year. We'll just talk about it really quick right now. The House of Black paid tribute to Bray Wyatt as well as uh, Buddy Matthews came out with a lantern and they put it down and then commentary just went into it and was like, we lost Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt passed away and they just yeah. told the whole thing really quickly. Interesting that they were just, mm-hmm. they said Bray Wyatt. I mean, WWE's not going to do anything. Oh, you said Bray Wyatt. We're coming after you. No. Yeah, yeah. So it's cool they acknowledge him yeah. and, and just... 
I'm sure he had friends across all many mm. different promotions because he's been in the business for so long and his family as well, yeah. just the lineage there. So it's just cool that they pay res- respects and acknowledge the, the unfortunate situation involving Wyndham Rotunda. So the Bucks come out and they pay tribute to Freddie Mercury with their gear. And that's when Jim Ross asks, could Freddie Mercury be here tonight? And Nigel has to tell him, unfortunately, JR, Buddy Mercury is no longer with us. I, I rolled my eyes like, come on, JR. Even if you're trying to be sarcastic, right? Like, find something else to be sarcastic because a lot of people are going to interpret that the wrong way. And I'm like, I mean, you're know, working in classic rock radio. I know Freddie Mercury's no longer with us. He's been gone <laughs> since what the early '90s. It's like that was such, such a bad joke. It was just like, come on, man, do better with that. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so as we move forward with this match, the Bucks. Come out strong. They kipped up after a double down spot and sent FTR to the outside to regroup. Nick hit a running punt kick on the apron on Harwood while Wheeler was flattened by a spear. Nick hit his corkscrew torneo on both as the crowd was 50-50 split. They didn't really know who they wanted to chant for, whether it was the Young Bucks mm-hmm. or FTR. Later, they started booing the Young Bucks a little bit, though. Like, not much, but a little bit. Wheeler ate a super kick, hung up in the ropes, and Nick hit a swanton for a two. Wheeler remained isolated, nearly... Diving for a tag, but Matt hit a super kick on Harwood in midair to prevent it. As we move forward, Harwood led. Uh, there was three German suplexes from Harwood that led to two Northern Light suplexes by Matt Jackson. As each team traded more and more crazy spots here, Harwood countered a springing Nick into a slingshot powerbomb, but he wasn't the legal man as Matt had made the save, only to be trapped in a sharpshooter for quite a while, actually. While on the apron, Wheeler somehow got a sharpshooter on Nick as well until Nick powered out and launched Wheeler into the ring steps. Harwood at one point collided with his partner, and the Bucks answered with some super kicks, hitting a spike pile driver as well of their own for a near fall. Wheeler prevented a melter driver, so Nick took him out with a tope. The Bucks wanted the BTE trigger, but Harwood ducked, and their knees collided. Wheeler sp- uh, sprinted into a dive through the ropes. Nick on Nick as FTR triggered a shadow machine, with Matt kicking out at the very, very last second. Wheeler then goes for a 450 splash as the Bucks hit the BTE trigger, with Harwood breaking it up barely. Harwood knew that there was going to be more in store as he turned into a shadow machine, while Wheeler ate yet another BTE trigger, only to kick out again right at the last second. Like, these kickouts were so last second that the referee's hand was still slapping the mat on three. Yeah, very close. There was a couple yeah. of times I was like, oh, was that an accident? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or even one time... Uh, uh... Uh, it looked like was it? I believe it was Matt who pulled up uh, Cash's. Yeah. It looked like Cash, and then like the the commentators were like, "Whoa, was that a break or did <laughs> yeah. you pull, pull pull him up?" So yeah, there's a lot of close close calls in this match here, and I love a lot of callbacks to Bret Hart. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 I think it was Matt who uh, jumped off the rope with the elbow, right. and then there was the roll up, very much like Bret and British Bulldog ended their match in this in this match here. So there was a lot of cool just callbacks to Wembley back in '92 for that SummerSlam. The finish off the match, the match, uh, the Bucks tried the Melser driver, but FTR somehow countered that into a shadow machine in midair, got the pin, and picked up the victory, retaining the AEW World Tag Team Champions. But then after the match, the Young Bucks just don't want to go for the handshake. FTR extends the hand, and the Bucks look at it, look at it, and then just walk away and leave. So is that like, are the elite turning heel? I was shocked by that. So was I. Very. It's, yeah, because... The elite are all baby faces right mm-hmm. now. And that's obviously a very heelish move right there. Yeah. 
Kenny Omega is still babyface, obviously going up against uh, Takesha next week. Uh, Hangman seems to be babyface for right now still. So I don't know. Maybe this is a way of separating the Young Bucks from Kenny even more, giving them more space, because I think a lot of people really want to see Kenny Omega of old and just go back on a singles run and just tears it up against the roster. And I know since he came back from his suspension last year from the brawl out at All Out, it's uh it's been him and the elite you know trios mm-hmm. and whatnot so i'm curious if this is a, a plot here to uh have the young bucks go on their own heel run and kenny separate i don't know it, it's it's interesting here but uh i was kind of hopeful okay if you're not gonna shake their hands i thought uh i was hopeful they were gonna maybe like flip them off and say yeah. after revival just a call back to also, the elite on the youtube did channel you, did you see the sign in the crowd that said um fear the revolver yeah. God. <laughs> yes, that was very funny. Go so. back to uh, Cash Wheeler getting arrested for having a gun and pointing it at a guy. What? And that's my thing, too. Is like I, I think a lot of people thought FTR were going to drop the tag titles here as some form of punishment for Cash's real-life uh, real life, uh, well, uh, legal issues right now. But it's still up in court right now. Nothing's official, so I guess they'll see how it goes. But, uh, uh Innocent to perfect guilty, I guess they mm-hmm. say, and so we'll see we'll see how that plays out and how, how AEW will respond once the courts you know figure everything out. So as far as what Tony Khan said last week in the media call, he was like, "We're aware of the situation. We know what's going on, but there's not enough evidence, and if, because it's still an ongoing thing, there's not enough evidence for us to take action and say one way over the other." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, it's and it's a case by case situation. Yep. I know a lot of people are trying to compare this to like NBA players and NFL players. Well, so people are even trying to compare it to the Jeff Hardy situation, where immediately as soon as that Jeff Hardy news came out, boom, Tony suspended him. Yeah. So exactly, they're like, oh, exactly. favoritism of FTR. Well, no, because a Jeff's got a history, and b it was very very obvious Jeff was drunk driving again, and so. Yeah. And this is. Uh, I think a lot of the reports were hearing about what happened that day with Cash and this person where the gun was pulled on. Mm-hmm. It seemed like a very one-sided observation. We don't know what, from Cash's point of view, what happened that yeah. day that led to that incident. And I'm not trying to, you know, support him or or or, or defend him in any way. I mean, it just there are three sides to every story. Mm-hmm. One person's side, the other person's side, and what really happened. So we only heard one side based on that video of cash in the courthouse and what the, right. the judge and the, the, the lawyer were, were, were going over the alleged incident. So uh, we'll see how it plays out here. And then AEW can respond after that. So it looks like everyone that's going to speak may be done at the scrum. Now they're just going to ask Tony some questions. So we'll see what comes of that, but they, okay. It's Tony con time, everybody. <laughs> we got another hour to go then. <laughs> right. I've been there. I didn't leave. I didn't leave Chase Center till almost like midnight. I think, it and was. that's West Coast time. <laughs> Love you, Tony Khan. Love to talk to you again soon. So, um, this next match was Stadium Stampede, which was more anarchy in the arena, but same. It's basically yeah. the same match minus the stunts that we've seen in the past. Also, yeah. try to play that Stadium Stampede mode in the AW game. That game is still dog shit. Ah. That game is bad. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, I'll throw a chop at somebody, and, like, you'll see the my wrestler hit, but then it doesn't register that it hit, and then they just kick me. Oh, my 
Ain't no soldier, brother. Like, right? This game needs to get fixed. Uh, oh, they announced two new mobile games coming. So yeah, that's where they that's where they're, you know, they care about right now. Yeah. Uh mm-hmm. I was gonna say this match, I I I, I thought it was a lot of fun mm-hmm. considering how chaotic it was. And it wasn't it didn't come off like the other original stadium stampede back during uh the pandemic era, as far as you know, them doing like stuff all over the place and the camera cutting too. That was mm-hmm. very much like a cinematic match yeah. and they were taking their time telling different scenes and, you know, everything's happening in, supposedly in real time, but they were focusing on each section of opponents facing each other in different parts of the stadium and then led to this big finish. As you said, this is very much like an anarchy in the arena, but on a larger scale. Mm-hmm. And I was curious how they were going to uh, do this match here with a crowd of 80,000, over 80,000 people. How are you going to tell this match with so much going on at one time. And what I thought was smart was they had few guys stay in the ring at the whole time and was doing the match. And then the other guys break off Mm -hmm. and go off in different parts of the stadium. And I'm sure they're showing that on the TV. So, cause I was worried, okay, if everyone leaves the ring and goes to different parts of the stadium, people sitting in the stadium are not gonna be able to see anything. They're just got to watch the TV screen. They're like, wait, we paid all this money to watch (laughs) people on a TV screen. So I thought it was very smart. They kind of like divide and conquer here as far as, okay, they had Moxley, uh, Penta. uh, I'm trying to figure out who else was just stayed in the ring or do a lot of, yeah, do a lot of spots there, but then best friends and, and Eddie Kingston, they went off and went down the hallway, Cesaro, or excuse me, Claudio, <laughs> and went down the hallway and did stuff there. So to kind of to really feed into the anarchy and arena feel to it. But I thought that was a smart move. They're like, okay, we have people in the ring. So people who are watching can still have something visual to watch, but then occasionally they can pop up and look what's happening mm-hmm. elsewhere. So right. I like that approach mm-hmm. there. I think that was a smart move to, yeah, to handle I'll, this type of match. A lot of keep it in the ring or up at the top of the stage. Exactly, exactly. For people in attendance, they still can visually watch something happening in this match here. And also, it is now official. He is no longer just Santana. He is Mike Santana. It said it on the graphic. Like, I can pull it up. I'm going to pull it up on the screen. Okay. It said it on the graphic. He is now Mike Santana. Ortiz is still just Ortiz. But let me see if I have, where did I have that at? Um, right here. Pull this up on the screen. When they were doing their entrance, the whole, you know, BCC entrance through the crowd. Yeah. Another shot I have here is of Ortiz, but it says it on the thing. It says, um, it says okay. right down here, Bull Club, or Blackpool Combat Club, Mike Santana. And Ortiz, because when he made his return, they said it. That's Mike Santana. Mike Santana's back. And then <laughs> we heard it a couple other times. And I'm like, are they just saying it to say it? No, he's really Mike Santana now. That's official. It looks like. So is he going to be a singles wrestler now? I have no clue. Interesting. Because okay. there's still the, the reports and rumors of Santana and Ortiz don't really get along in real life. Really? Yeah, I've been hearing that too. Yeah, so I don't so. know what's see what officially happens here i i I think that's one of the biggest shames in AEW in their what four years of existence is uh uh santana ortiz never won the tag titles Mm. they're 
they had some good momentum back with the inner circle. I cool think debut, thought, super cool debut with the masks. Yeah, and stuff. exactly. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of people thought they should have been champions within that first year, but unfortunately, it didn't happen. So um, they were maybe, Jericho's third string lackeys. Yeah, maybe they can do a retcon of some sort and give them uh, a tag team title run at some point. But I don't know if 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 they're not fully getting along with each other. Maybe mm-hmm. yeah, they go singles runs here. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. There's a lot going on in this match. I'll try to do my best to keep everything together, but everyone's okay. making their entrance, and then Eddie Kingston just says, screw an entrance, and just runs. And Claudio <laughs> comes at him, and they are brawling in the in the aisleway. And so Eddie Kingston and Claudio are going at it, best friends and proud and powerful, had a little face-off. Then we got... You know, reminiscent of their old parking lot brawl. Mm-hmm. Chuck Taylor hit a somersault suicida onto Ortiz and Santana, but trash can spots put them right back in control. Meanwhile, Kingston and Claudio brawled into the crowd with Moxley using what looked like a branding iron on Beretta. Again, <laughs> hard to really tell because cameras were cutting so much. Like, what do we show? Yeah. What do we show? Do we show this? Do we show that? And commentary is mm-hmm. reacting to certain things they're seeing that we may only see for a half a second, but they can see from their spot where they're sitting. So it's like, Oh, he's talking about branding. We got to cut to Moxley. And then they like, cut off of Moxley. And then they cut back to Moxley. And Moxley's already bleeding. And this match isn't even 30 seconds in or 45 seconds in. Like, oh, Moxley's had to bleed already. And, and so many people bled in this match. So many people. That this, The skewer spot uh, still freaks oh, me out. Sorry. I got the best screenshot of that, too. <laughs> oh, my God. Moxley turns his head. And you see, like, four skewers just boing, right? Oh. Yeah. It's not easy to look at. I still, every time I see someone do that, I just cringe. I'm like, oh, God, it looks so painful. I wonder what his wife thinks about it. Does she, like, get turned on by it or something? The, I the have violence? no idea. But, like, his, his forehead by, I don't know, how how I thought he, it would like, look like Devon Dudley by now. Yeah, or, or Abdullah <laughs> the Butcher at right? this point. I God, especially now, you know, he's got a thinning hairline now, so it's like it's got more baldness to, to yeah. i guess more more surface area to scar up he's like the whole top half of his head's gonna be one big scar by the time he probably retires right. here at this point man oh Mo- just tough to look at moxley at one point hits a sp- uh, springing penta with a paradigm shift as moxley is in fact bleeding like i stated go to a split screen or kingston and claudio are fighting on one side yuda and chuck taylor are fighting on the other side moxley goes for the bag that yuda had brought with him and it was full of skewers so he gets these skewers, and he tries to put him into the head of Penta, but Penta reverses it. Penta then puts him on the head of Moxley and just starts stabbing him right into it. Moxley jumps up. All the skewers kind of fall except for like four or five of them. He turns uh-huh. his head. Ying. I won't show the picture. I don't want to gross out. Maybe he you over here. Because, like, I got the best screenshot of it. Like, at the perfect spot. You can show it where, if you want. Okay, because it's like the perfect one where usually you try to get these screenshots, and they're a little blurry because the motion's going on and stuff. But I got the perfect screenshot <laughs> here of this. Like, let's see right here. Like, boom. Oh, just God. Sticking. And he's got that blood all covered as the side of his. It's like, wow. Wow, wow, wow. An image of a, a thousand words right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the first one being, ouch. God. Oh, 
Oh man, but uh, you know, kudos to Mox. Right. He's uh, I think for a lot of kids, yeah, you know, I'm just throwing this out there. For a lot of younger kids, he could be their generation's Terry Funk. Oh <laughs> just yeah, just the amount of time he bleeds and whatnot in in, in today's wrestling world, man. Uh, oh. So Penta eventually gets taken out, taken out in the ring. He gets pile driver onto the chair. They take him away. Him coming back was kind of underwhelming. I didn't really care for that. He comes back like. The screens go black, and we hear something, and they're like, what's going on? And then Penta comes out wearing red. And they go, that's Penta Oscuro, the dark version of Penta. And I go, okay, cool. He's still just Pentagon. <laughs> yeah, and can't walk up a ladder without falling well, through it. that's not his fault. They had a, a <laughs> shitty ladder that didn't have two sides you can walk on. The other side, you were not supposed to put weight on. As someone who's used plenty of ladders in my day to work on, you don't walk on the other side. You don't put any weight on the other side at all. Anyways, so Penta gets taken away, whatever. Moxley then pulls out a fork and starts just stabbing at Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy eventually gets busted open. There's a violent brain buster on a chair that led to Moxley raking a barbed wire, bringing in a barbed wire board and throwing uh, Beretta onto it. At one point, uh, they go, this has happened moments ago. We caught the footage here. Wheeler Yuta suplexes Chuck Taylor onto a guardrail, but for some reason they showed it in slow-mo, so it looked bad. It looked like they were literally just trying not to hurt each other, so they just kind of fell on the guardrail. I don't know. The slow-mo version of it didn't look too great. They keep going on. There's All of a sudden, I think it's um, Eddie Kingston and Claudio are on the steps. Yuta then comes in with a... Um, um, what is it? An umbrella? So, of course, mm-hmm. Nigel's got to make a Mary Poffins reference. Kingston then, they go into this concourse area where there's a bunch of fans, and apparently this guy is supposed to be security? I don't know. He's wearing a BCC shirt. They smash, So Kingston gets a glass smashed over his head. Then they start fighting with this security guy. I don't know what the hell's going on at this point. I'm kind of checked out like, who is he? What is what? I don't know what the hell's going on. Then we go back to like the ringside area or whatever. Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta are there. They're thrown up the ramp and surrounded by everybody except Ortiz, who was setting up tables at ringside. When all of a sudden, a white van comes in, but it's a British van. You can tell the difference. We, mm-hmm. we know what it is. It's Sue. So Sue comes in. Moxley walks over to her, grabs her in the, in the car, like shakes her for a second. She no-sells it and just scolds Moxley. And then finally, uh, best friends pull some cookies and cookie trays out from the van. They waffle the BCC with them. This is when Penta comes back out. They tried to make it a big deal for like two seconds, but it wasn't like, what is going on? Oh, it's Penta Oscuro. Okay, cool. So there's these tables set up over here with a ladder next to it. Penta climbs up one side, and I'm just sitting here going, you're on the wrong side. You're on the wrong side. What? What? No, 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 no. Mike Santana then climbs the other side. He punches Pentagon. Penta sells it like you're supposed to, like, whoa, I'm going to fall off the ladder, and the ladder just breaks. The ladder crumbles. They get up. Alex Abrahantis holds the ladder. They try to do the spot again. They do the spot. They do a destroyer off the mm-hmm. ladder through the tables. Cool, but it's like, eh, trying too much here. Mm-hmm. Yuta then tried to use a screwdriver on Chuck Taylor, who dodged it and hit an awful waffle, but Moxley quickly answered with a dive to the outside. Claudio then blocked an orange punch into a giant swing. And he just kept swinging and swinging and swinging. Beretta superplex Ortiz to the floor through a bunch of tables while Moxley slammed Taylor onto, I think it was Legos, it looked like, on the floor. Cassidy then 
brought in a bucket with a glass bottle and tape. So he tapes up his hand, but the sticky side out. He then busts up this glass bottle so the glass is all on the tape. He tries to go for the orange punch on Claudio, but then he just gets orange punched instead by Moxley. Moxley must have learned how to do that from old Roman Reigns back in the day. <laughs> so they're fighting. The spot doesn't really work out. Claudio, uh, Cassidy does come back and hit a tornado DDT onto the broken glass. Claudio then hit a pop-up cutter to follow. A bleeding Eddie Kingston, who I didn't even know Eddie Kingston. Where, where did Eddie King- Kingston come from? All of a sudden, they made a big deal. Kingston's back. I didn't know Kingston was gone. Kingston walks out the tunnel. He's got blood on his forehead. He's holding barbed wire chair. And so he starts using this chair in the ring. And eventually he throws the chair down. And Nigel goes, oh, hey, I didn't even realize that chair's got barbed wire on it. Like he says it all nonchalantly like, oh, cool, barbed wire chair. Like he's even over the Nigel's over this shit. So <laughs> Kingston starts firing off and spinning back fist on Claudio and Moxley, who ultimately tackled through a table in the corner. Cassidy then popped up and hit an orange punch wrapped in the glass. Finally gets the spot off. On Claudio, pins him, gets the win. There we go. We then learn during the scrum, this is not leading, at least it could though, but not initially leading to like Cassidy and anybody from the BCC. No, it's Cassidy and Penta on Wednesday for the title. Cool. I'm trying to see. I thought so. I thought I saw someone update it said depending who wins there will face Moxley on Sunday. Okay. I'm just I trying to see look that. here. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot coming out from this, uh, the media scrum. Right. Um, it looks like they announced a new pay-per-view in uh, October. Huh. Um, let's see. Oh God. So, so they announced, <laughs> yeah. Uh, full gear will be November 18th right. in Los Angeles at the forum. Yes. So that's, that's, um, okay. Here we go. In honor of, yeah, Tony, uh, Tony, Con- Tony Khan announces that Orange Cassidy versus Penta will happen on Wednesday, and the winner will then defend against John Moxley at All Out. So yeah. And then Tony Khan says October first from Seattle will be the first AEW Wrestle Dream pay per view in honor of Antonio Inoki. So, Interesting. Okay, very cool. Uh, but I was gonna say back to the match, Orange Cassidy with the uh, the tape on his hands and the glass broken glass callback to a uh, uh, great John Claude Van Damme movie Kickboxer <laughs> when he had the. Mm. The, the glass on his fist right there. So uh, uh, for you movie fans, action movie fans, that was cool. Right. And, uh, uh, but yeah, seeing Sue in the van, of course, you can't have a best, best friends match with chaos all over the place <laughs> without Sue showing up in a van. And uh, uh, I guess it was reported that she was known for bringing cookies a lot to yeah. the wrestlers backstage. So very cool callback there that the, her cookies and the baking tray were used in the match there as well. Um, also, I love Blackpool Combat Club coming out to the match with the their suits on. That mm-hmm. was a cool look right. for them. And I'm shocked that they lost. When you got a group named the Blackpool Combat Club, Blackpool's in the name. They lose in, <laughs> in, in England. In England. Mm. I was shocked by that going into this, this match so, here. Real quick, Wrestle Dream. Wasn't it like a WWF joint show back in the early 90s? With I'm, Yes, I'm trying I to believe. look up. Yeah, because I saw someone post like an old graphic. Yeah. Um Tony Khan just out here nostalgiaing it up. Oh, but I'm just looking. Old report from April. I guess they filed your trademark name. No, I remember that. I do remember that. But Tony's oh. filed a number of trademarks that they never did anything with in the past. So, Interesting. I mean, he's smart into sometimes he'll just trademark something to trademark it and have it. 
WWE does the same mm-hmm. thing. So, mm-hmm. so it looks like he's finally using it. So, uh, yeah, that's gonna be interesting. So this Couple says um, coming up. Tony Khan announced a new paper, like you said, Wrestle, uh, Wrestle Dream, October first, celebrating the one year anniversary of, I guess it's Anoki's passing. Mm-hmm. And then he's told Dave Meltzer in the scrum that he hopes to have some New Japan talent on the show. Okay. In the 18th, November 18th. Oh, that's a Saturday. For cool. for uh, full, gear? full gear. Ooh, yeah. That's an interesting one. All right. Road trip. Right. <laughs> I'm already making one for NXT. I'm going to that. I'm going to go to No Mercy. Oh, that's right. That's, that's right. A, that's that's right. a oh, Sunday gosh. night. Okay. So much coming up. Okay. Yeah. Lot the, so I was going to take the kids. Because at first I was going to take the kids. And I go, oh, it's Sunday. I ain't going to be back till uh, late. They got school the next morning. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. it's the 30th <laughs> of September. Mm. Oh, man. That's coming up what, four weeks now. Yeah. Because it was like, or, yeah. go to a live event here locally with the main roster or go to the NXT pay-per-view. Well, gotcha. I've seen okay. plenty of main roster live events that lead to nothing. I might as well go to the pay-per-view, and then I could talk about it the next day when I review it and stuff as far as being gotcha. there live. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, it'll be cool. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, no, this match, very chaotic, but a oh, lot yeah. of fun. And uh, shout out Eddie Kingston with the Patrick Ewing jersey. Growing up, yep. Patrick Ewing was one of my favorite basketball <laughs> players for the nice. New York Knicks. So, uh, yeah, love that as well. And then uh, the shot of... Eddie Kingston, Moxley in the corner through the through the table, mm. and Kingston flipping off Moxley, both bleeding out of their heads. So, uh, yeah, th- this match was a lot of fun. Surprised by the outcome, but uh, we'll, I, I, I'm sure we're going to get Cassidy and Mox next week. Yeah, it's just, just weird. That I would think Cassidy would get pinned to build up his next challenger. Exactly. And well, so... Why does Moxley get the shot? Just because he's John Moxley? Again, nonsensical stuff from AEW. I'm at the point I just gave up trying to right. rationalize every every single move of theirs from a booking standpoint. So then, so then next up, we hear, we will rock you play. And my first thought was, ooh, Emi Sakura. No, it's for Soraya. Because, you know, <laughs> Emi Sakura, she's got that Freddie Mercury-inspired, you know, gimmick. Nope. Mm-hmm. Soraya mm-hmm. comes out with her whole family, which is cool. That was very cool. And then we get the women's four-way for the AW Women's Championship, which unfortunately was very well overshadowed by the whole Soraya Tony Storm stuff. If, if you didn't know better, you would have forgot the the title was even on the line. Exactly. And uh, but I, I thought it was cool. We hear Queen, so Tony yeah. Khan did pay pay up mm-hmm. music rights tonight for Queen and Metallica. And Metallica. <laughs> yeah, so uh, but that was very cool to hear that in Wembley. I mean, if you know Queen and their history, they played there and stuff. It's always very cool. But uh, um, no, it was a very feel good moment towards the end with Soraya mm-hmm. winning, right? Celebrate with her family in the ring. So it was just a very good heartfelt moment, which. For these stadium shows, you should do something like that so the crowd goes home happy for uh, multiple reasons here with different outcomes. So that was very cool. But I know a lot of people are questioning the booking decision with that, considering um, uh, Sheeta just won the title a few weeks ago. So it's kind of like, is that it kind of sucks for her? She has a short right. title reign here, just a transitional champion. But it looks like the bigger story here is Tony Storm and Soraya moving forward right. and the outcast yeah. falling apart. Um, Ruby Soho getting punched by Tony Storm in the face and she walked out of the ring. So I think the outcast, that's going to be the big story moving forward for the women's division mm-hmm. here. And 
Um, I just feel bad for, for Sheeta now. She's probably going to be on the back burner again. So, uh, but for Soraya, the bigger story here, thought she couldn't wrestle again, be able to return to AEW, but now wrestle in front of this large crowd in her home country, feel good moment for the family. It, it makes sense for that big pop moment oh, for yeah. the night. So for her winning, I, I could totally see why. Uh, and they can figure things out from a booking standpoint afterwards, but it totally makes sense why she won tonight. So I've been corrected. September 30th is not a Sunday. It's a Saturday. Maybe I will take the kids then. We'll see. We'll see. Because mm-hmm. tickets are cheap. Like, they got some decently placed cheap seats. Okay. So not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, Queen plays for Soraya. God save the Queen plays as Tony Storm comes out in her lingerie. Nigel McGinnis. Makes comparisons of Tony Storm to Marilyn Monroe and Elizabeth Taylor, among others. Mm. Britt Baker comes out. So, uh, Sheeta comes out with the bell. Gets a good reaction from the crowd. And Storm and Soraya, well, they do their thing early, working together, taking out both women. Doing some good stuff. They're fighting. We get the sweet cheek music and everything. And then Soraya's mom wants to help out a little bit with Tony Storm. <laughs> so Soraya, gra- her mom grabs Britt Baker. She's sitting in the front row. Family's in the front row. She grabs Britt, and then they cut to Soraya really fast. But Soraya's like, yeah, get her, Mom. And then they cut back. Tony Storm goes to hit Britt Baker. Britt moves. She knocks out sweet Soraya, and she does the perfect sell job. She's just, like the perfect. Her mom is amazing, and she does the perfect sell job, falling back on the chairs and everything there. All of a sudden, they cut to Soraya in the ring, and she's mad, which how can she be mad? Tony didn't do it on purpose. It was like last week, I want to say, on Dynamite, maybe. Adam Cole went to kick one of the Aussie Open guys. He moves mm-hmm. and almost accidentally kicks MJF, so MJF gets mad. No, bro. Mm-hmm. He did nothing wrong. Don't get mad. Mm-hmm. Get glad. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> so that goes on. She then hit a double noggin knocker before suplexing Soraya into Storm. There's 10 corner punches on Storm that was broken up by Soraya slamming Sheeta on the apron as Storm had Soraya's, uh, I read that part, Soraya, the whole Brit Breaker stuff. So they start kind of going at it. Things start to break down with the outcast members, and so Ruby runs out. And I like how they mention Ruby's here, and she's running fast because <laughs> Soraya got taken down and it looked like Tony was going to hit her with the sweet cheek music, but Ruby stops it at the last second. Crowd actually popped for all of this when she, boom, forearms Ruby in the face. She did then flew in with the missile dropkick, but Baker was there with the spinning neck breaker. A Baker thrust kick caused Storm to fall onto Soraya for a cover as Soraya was furious that it had happened. So she locked on the PTO submission, and as she's got Tony Storm up in the submission, in comes Rip Baker, Boom! Curb stomp. Sheeta, Baker, and Soraya then trade strikes until Sheeta hit a Falcon Arrow on Baker onto Soraya. Sheeta then hit a Meteora and a Katana Kick, but Baker was there to apply the Lockjaw. With the submission applied, Baker then didn't realize that Soraya had sprayed something, the, the spray painted it is, in Tony Storm's eyes, hit her with a nightcap. One, two, three, pins her. There we go. So, kind of a wonky finish because it's like, you got these two girls in a submission hold, just like an arm's reach away from these two fighting over here. She's going for the pin. Britt didn't hear the one. I don't know. I thought it was kind of a meh finish. 
Soraya then brings her family in the ring, celebrates with the belt, cries, of course, but awesome, awesome. She was asked about her health in the media scrum. She said, I'm 100%. My, my neck couldn't be any better. Wow. Okay. Yeah, she's like, I'm fine. So, Completely fine. Yeah. I'm kind of curious how long of a title mm. reign she's going to have here. Right. She's, she's, she's one of the bigger names in that company, mm. in the women's division. And so I, I think, you know, if booked right, I think she can have a really fun title reign. Her and Outcast, you know, maybe fall apart here. I mean, be like, who, who does Ruby Soho stay aligned with Soraya at this point? Does Tony Storm, like, out of these two, who goes babyface, who goes heel? Um, hopefully, they can build up some more challenges for her in in the short term, right? So Soraya can have some great matches in the near future. So no, this this could be a lot of fun if booked correctly, and they got some history here with a lot of these women now, so they can maybe tell some interesting stories. So. That's just me being optimistic with the women's division in AEW. <laughs> As we move forward, with Darby Allen and Sting taking on Swerve Strickland and a Christian Cage in a coffin match. And I just got to say, Sting's 64 years old, diving off the apron through tables multiple times because it didn't break. And this ain't the first time recently Sting did a dive that the table didn't break. So... <clears throat> Here I am. I'm almost 40, and I'm still watching Sting wrestle. I've watched... Yeah. I've watched him wrestle all my life, and he's still doing crazy stuff out there. So give that guy his flowers for uh, delivering once again on this mm -hmm. big stage. <laughs> so out comes uh, Swerve Strickland. I don't know who that was doing the rap for his entrance, but I always laugh when I see Prince Nana out there doing his dance. It always gets me. It always It's entertaining. <laughs> uh, Sting and Darby Allen get a great video as they walk out. They're walking the streets of London. Sting's wearing a top hat. Half of his face is Joker. The other half is Crow Sting. And then Seek and Destroy by Metallica plays for an incredible moment. Sting and Cage fight early on, and there's faint TNA chants from the crowd as Alan <laughs> pulled out two coats covered in thumbtacks for the coffin. Sting then lit up Nana and Strickland with a cricket bat before a tandem coffin, or a tandem a Darby and Sting splashes that connected. Also, I'm just going to say, this coffin took as just much punishment as anybody in this ring. Like, that coffin <laughs> got destroyed. <clears throat> At one point, Cage misses a corner charge, and Allen hit a no-handed spring, springing moonsault before hitting a running dive on Strickland. Allen broke free as Sting almost slammed Strickland onto the coffin, but Cage kicked the lid shut, at least for the moment. Back inside, Cage wanted to do the concerto, but missed as he laid out Strickland with a float-over stunner on the apron. Darby did as well. Uh, Strickland then draped over a table, was draped over a table. Sting jumped off the apron, didn't break, so what? 64-year-old Sting does it again, and he doesn't just, like, splash onto him. No, he makes sure he throws his whole weight down on Swerve to make sure this table breaks. And I forget what it was later, but they were like, yeah, that didn't break like these British tables. <laughs> oh, were they talking about the 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 commentator's desk, I believe? Oh, yes, yes, it was in the main event. Uh, yeah, commentator, yeah, yeah. Because they said there's a there's a metal brace in the, ta the yeah. commentary table, and it won't break yeah. like these other UK tables or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, so at one point, Cage was about to have the coffin door shut. Luchasaurus from behind, hit the I made the save. Hit Snake Eyes on Darby into the closed coffin. Nick Wayne would then show up with a skateboard. Luchasaurus no sold the skateboard shot and choke slammed 
Um, no, it may have been here where he said that skateboard is just as hard of a, as just mm. as hard as these British tables because Nick Wayne got choke slammed onto the skateboard. Seeing mm-hmm. the setup, Strickland mm-hmm. on top of the coffin, and Allen hit him with a coffin drop. Well, tried to hit him with a coffin drop, but Swerve moved at the last second, and there's just this crater now on the top of the the coffin, <clears throat> to the point where part of the coffin looks like it's like pointed now, and later on. Swerve gets dropped on that point that, oh, my God, it looks like it hurt. Mm. So, oh, okay. was yeah, it was, with the, the, right here, it was with the Scorpion death drop. Okay. So, he's just back right under where, like, the coffin pointed up because there was a crater. And then, it, like, yeah, ooh, it looked bad. But Strickland hit a chair shot at one point from behind on Sting, which Sting no-sold. Cage then hit a low blow with a bat as Strickland hit the Swerve stomp. Cage then laid out Allen at ringside and Strickland... Tried to put Sting in the coffin, but he had the bat, and he stopped it. Strickland then was put into the coffin, tried to close it. His hand was there. Coffin didn't fully close. Allen outside fought back with the TNT title shot to the face of Cage, and Sting laid out Strickland with a death drop on top of the coffin. That's what I said earlier. Uh, Strickland then half struck, was half in the coffin, half not. Darby Allen then hit a coffin drop on top of it, slammed the door shut, and there we go. Darby and Sting... Of course, pick up the victory. What happened to Nick Wayne? He's just in the abyss out there getting whatever by Luchasaurus. Luchasaurus carried him to the back. The other thing is, you know, with Sting stopped the the coffin completely shutting by sticking the bat out. And then uh, uh, at one point, you know, Swerve. With his hand. With his hands. But then, you know, I, I saw the finish when Sting shut the door. Swerve's dreads were hanging out the back. Oh, his Lord. hair was hanging, oh, Lord. was hanging out the back. So it was a little detail. I'm like, he's not fully, all parts of his body is not fully inside that coffin. But then they cut away the camera and then they cut back. And then all of a sudden, uh, his dreads were not sticking out anymore. So gotcha. I was like, oh, maybe someone told him, like, put your hair inside. Because <laughs> it's, it's got to be every part of your body needs to be inside that coffin. But, uh, um, I mean, great match for for Sting here. If this is going to be, you know, his rumor last run or, mm-hmm. or last year, who knows what his future holds? I know Tony Khan says he'll keep Sting around as long as he wants. So it's ultimately on Sting's decision when he wants to retire officially and call it a day. Right. Uh, but you know, great match here for for Sting to, to show off once again. Uh, and uh, uh, interesting to see swerve be the one to to eat the pin as they say by going into the coffin i guess for for christian's sake they want to keep him strong because right. next weekend darby versus luchasaurus for the tnt tile but i know christian will probably get involved so they want to keep him strong in this situation where it's going to go but uh for swerve i i hope i i think it's okay to eat the loss here i still want to see swerve get built up properly in aw i think right. he could be a really massive heel for this company mm-hmm. I, I really think he has a lot of potential to be like a major player with the company I agree. so i just i, I want to see more from him i know he's been getting more screen time as of late and i really love kind of the bill for this match kind of how menacing he was going to nick wayne's house beating the crap out of him like i love some of these story beats with swerve and i want to see more of this for okay. the rest of the year so then i need your opinion is mm-hmm. it just Cool that Darby's fine with AR Fox. Oh, I I shook my head at that. That was ridiculous. Like, dude, you guys are acting like you're you're cool again. But like two weeks ago, AR Fox helped Swerve almost kill Nick Wayne. Almost kill Nick Wayne, who's who's Darby's protege. So I yes, that from a story beat 
I did not like that. No. It didn't make sense. But uh, uh, hopefully they can retcon it a little bit. Maybe AR can, or maybe Nick Wayne could tell Darby, like, dude, why are you hanging out with AR Fox? And he's like, he's cool, man. We talked, and he's, he's apologetic. Maybe AR needs to apologize to Nick Wayne, say, man, my head wasn't the right place at the right time, but I'll do what I can to win back your respect. Maybe, give us something like that yeah. just to kind of somewhat, Dumb. yeah, explain himself, so. So maybe you can explain this to me. What was so the next match is Jericho and Osprey. What is the yeah. whole thing Jericho did before they played? Um, oh, it's Queen Freddie Mercury. Okay, uh, Freddie the Mercury. When, thing? When, yeah, yeah. When when Queen played Wembley mm-hmm. back in the day, uh, was it Live Aid? I want, I'm uh, get my facts wrong here. Because uh, the Queen movie, Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, uh, at the end, it ended with, uh, let's see, yeah, Live Aid. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, no, uh, Freddie Mercury would go, Dayo, Dayo. Oh, gotcha. Just call and response with the crowd. So it's a Freddie Mercury okay. Queen live performance thing, and a lot of bands try to replicate that to this day. Green Day has done that many times. Billy Joe on stage would go, Dayo. So, yeah, so uh, uh, Chris Jericho is doing his uh, best Freddie Mercury uh, impression or or, mm. or or paying respect to Freddie Mercury with the day of nice. the call, call him back response. So Fozzie is on the top of the screen. Get mm-hmm. the band up there. Jericho's doing his thing. And then they play Judas as Jericho walks down to the ring with Sammy Guevara behind him. Sings the whole mm-hmm. way down. Stops a couple times to let the crowd sing. I thought maybe Jericho was going to let the crowd sing by themselves a little more. Like he'd get into the ring, finish his part, and then they would keep singing. But they were probably crunched for time or something because he stopped yeah. singing and immediately they play um, Will Ospreay's music. Like to just tell the crowd, stop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought it was kind of an abrupt ending. I thought Jericho, once he got to the ring, he let the crowd yeah. keep it going. But yeah, the fact that they kind of cut it short and just went right to Osprey, I was like, Ooh, they're probably like, all right, dude, you almost got two and a half minutes for your entrance. We mm-hmm. got to You're not Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns right. is the only one that gets like a five minute entrance. Because well, they but, had uh, to tell everybody that didn't know that, Jericho showed up at the Rev Pro show yesterday to attack Will Ospreay, so they had to get that in there, yeah. backstory and yeah. stuff. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but what a what an entrance for uh, Will Ospreay! Yeah. If anything, going back to what you said earlier, if Mercedes got the All Star treatment today, Will Ospreay, I can also see giving him this big entrance and give him this big time feel, even though he's not a member of AEW. Well, but, you know, could this be a way to lure him once his contract is well, up with yeah, New Japan? He stated last week, I want to say, he's got six months left on his New Japan contract, if that's true. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and you know he's going to have offers from both WWE and AEW. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, as far as the match itself does go, Osprey shook off uh, Jericho's early uh, attempts of offense and hit a sky twister press outside that clipped Jericho on the head. Back inside, Osprey hit a pip-pip cheerio. As both traded chops and a boot for a double down spot. Osprey was sent to the apron and Jericho hit a springing drop kick and a baseball slide to the outside. Back on the apron, Jericho folded up Osprey with a German as Osprey was shaking out his right arm like he was bothering him. Jericho then targeted the upper back of Osprey with a standing shooting star that put Osprey back in control, though. It was short lived as Jericho fought back with a top rope Hurricane Rana. Osprey at one point got free of Jericho's walls of Jericho, but Jericho charged right into a Spanish fly as Osprey wanted to go for the hidden blade, but ran into yet another code breaker. And then an os cutter by Jericho that looked like they clunked heads. 
That one looked a little bad. Jericho, mm-hmm. like Jericho didn't try to like pull back to grab him for the os cutter type deal or whatever. No. He just springs off and they clunk. So Aubrey checks on both of them. Jericho then hit a mule kick with referee Aubrey Edwards unaware as Jericho goes for the Judas effect and connects for a two. Osprey then floated up and hit an impressive, massive power bomb as both went for some home run shots. Osprey hit a hidden blade and then a stormbreaker only for Jericho to kick out. The elbow pad was removed as Jericho flipped Osprey off and dared him hit me again harder as Osprey charged for the hidden blade and another stormbreaker to win it. So there we go. Well, Osprey gets the big win over Chris Jericho. The match was supposed to happen a few years ago for New Japan. But then we had COVID, and no one can fly to Japan, and this and that. So mm-hmm. it was a good match. I actually really enjoyed it. I saw some people going, eh, it was all right. I thought it was really good. It, well, as you said, yeah, it was supposed to happen a couple years ago in New Japan. So this was a, a good make good to mm-hmm. finally get that get that done and complete it for the two of them. And, uh, yeah, I mean, what a year Will Ospreay's having oh, for yeah. 2023. I mean, early contender for uh, wrestler of the year. Uh, another big win for him, but also kudos to Jericho for once again putting over another younger talent. And uh, um, but yeah, after the match with Sammy Guevara, you know he's trying to console Jericho and say it's okay, but Jericho's just pissed off and pushed Guevara out of his way before he left the ring. Guevara's left sitting there, just I don't know, man, what's going on? Mm-hmm. He had the, the inner circle uh, vest on as well, so just call back to how long they've been together as a as a team over the last few years and uh yeah so i wonder if jericho's next for him is him and sammy at some point this is what's leading to so um but no big big congrats to osprey a big moment for him so his home country too more AEW news out of the scrum the collision because full gear is on a saturday collision that week will air on a friday from the forum in los angeles which means Collision okay. and SmackDown are going to go head-to-head. Interesting. But I don't know if they're just not doing a Rampage that week, but huh. Tony Khan tells the people of the Scrum, AEW Collision will run the Friday ahead of Full Gear, also at the Forum. It looks like we're getting SmackDown versus Collision. Wow. But I, don't know, I don't know if it's going to run in the Rampage time slot and be after, or be Collision usually runs it, you know, eight, five, whatever time zone you're in. Mm-hmm. So that'll be an interesting one to see if they run it head to head or if they get the rampage slot of SmackDown ends, we then error AEW. I'm just <laughs> thinking out loud. My birthday's November 14th. So maybe my birthday weekend, go yeah. down there and watch Collision and, cool. and uh, full gear in person. I'm just thinking out loud. <laughs> uh, also, Fightful states that they've got more details on the CM Punk Jack Perry altercation. Details to come soon. Nothing new yet. They have more details. Hmm. See. Hopefully from uh, the Perry side of things. Right. It looks like. so then Nigel McGinnis, we talked about this earlier, announces the yeah. paid attendance. Not the how many people were there. Paid. 81,035, which is the most tickets sold for a pro wrestling event in history. There's a difference between tickets sold and people at the building. Exactly. But then this leads to the acclaimed challenging the House of Black for the AEW Trios Championships. I thought the match was good, not great or anything. It was just a solid 
trios match. This match could have took place on any dynamite or collision, to be completely honest. It was very short, and I think, if anything, it just uh, uh, let badass Billy Gunn have a time to shine and, yeah. and get, get his spots in. Uh, unprotected head chair shot, oh, yeah. I think it was he. With uh, with was it with Brody? Billy threw that Billy threw that chair right into Brody's. And someone, I go, oh, what a hard, unprotected chair shot there. And someone goes, well, he threw it, so it wasn't that hard. Okay, let me throw a chair at your head. (laughs) I know. But uh, uh, the match itself was was fine, as you mentioned earlier. It was cool. House of Black paid tribute to Bray Wyatt coming out to the ring, uh, and then all the lights on, kind of just replicating, follow the buzzards, and uh, um. you know, funny spot with the acclaim taking out Julia Hart oh, yeah. <laughs> early in the match. I'm like, oh, uh, people not gonna like this. AEW Linton men beat up women, <laughs> but she got involved in the match, right? And they got that, they got that, even the odds here. But so, uh, uh, yeah, you said the match felt short. The match went 10 minutes and 50 seconds, according to Wikipedia, which was really? actually two minutes longer than the woman's four way. The really? woman's four way oh. didn't even get 10 minutes. Wow. Yeah. Oh, man. So if we look here really quick, the longest match of the night was the main event at 29 minutes. Yeah. But you probably count that three-minute downtime of, give me five more minutes. No, I'll give you yeah. all the time you need. So that probably counted yep. in that. Um, stadium Stampede and the uh, FTR Bucks match went 21 and a half. The six-man mm-hmm. tag went 20. Punk and Joe had 14. Sting Coffin match... 16 minutes. Osprey Jericho just shy of 15 minutes. So, yeah. No match went 30 minutes or no. The longest match was 29 minutes. So, nothing went over yeah. 30. Interesting. Hmm. So as far as this match does go, and not much really to it. Like I, like we talked about, the Bray Wyatt tribute was really cool. And I liked how they acknowledged it on commentary. Didn't just like go, oh, hey, we like that. And they actually said what that was if you weren't aware. Mm-hmm. So, that was very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, my notes are kind of all over the place here at this point. Uh, the acclaimed and gun have selected that this be a no holds barred match because when it is house of black rules, I guess you say, it just Mm -hmm. means their opponents pick the match. So like, Oh, cool. Another hardcore match, whatever. So black (laughs) hit an early moonsault outside as caster and gun while caster and gun were fighting with King. Matthews flipped over the top to take out the acclaimed as Gunn teased a dive, but then he was stopped. I'm like, oh, Billy Gunn ain't going to go for a dive. <laughs> I really thought there was a chance, but I don't know. So he gets stopped, and King did a dive instead. Gunn again teased a dive, but Julia Hart stepped in the way and slapped him. Gunn then told her to suck it and took her down. The acclaimed then hit her with the scissor me timbers. Taz then said, right in the yam bag. <laughs> I think it's just kind of like nature for him to say that by now. Kind of like second nature, like, oh, mm-hmm. just say it. Oh, crap, she don't have yam bags. Uh, we didn't see Mercedes Monet in the crowd. Very, again, weird timing to show her. Um, King then missed a charging senton on gun against the railing. Gunn then drove a chair right into Eddie, or not Eddie Kingston, but Brody King's head. Like, just ooh, threw it right at him. Head goes straight through the chair. Uh, that, yeah, I, I'm still, like, really unprotected chair shots like that in 2023. Come on. Mm-hmm. Black and Matthews, who 
Ate a double clothesline by gun. We're taken down. There's a local motion splashes that led to gun missing a famouser, but hit the one and only instead for a two. Bowens hit the arrival on Black as the match broke down with Bowens dropping Matthews with a right hand, but the House of Black hit triple corner charges and a near fall. King's bleeding at this point. Not sure exactly where that came from. Maybe the chair shot. I don't know, but he was cracked open at one point. Caster then low-bridged King while Gunn and Caster took turns hitting a famouser on Matthews. Hart tried to get involved again, which allowed Black to hit the end kick on Gunn, but he kicked out. At one point, Caster connected with the mic drop, but King kicked out of one. Gunn hit the famouser and uh, the arrival by Bowens in a second mic drop, which got the win and gave the acclaimed and badass Billy Gunn the victory and the trios championships. So then was a little celebration thing afterwards where they're like, yeah, we had the badass here with us, but we know everybody wants daddy ass. And so they did the world's largest scissoring, I guess you can call it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, hopefully this is a little bit of a make good for the acclaim having the trios titles uh, make good for the fact. I think a lot of people thought the tag titles were taken off them way too right. early. Right. Considering they were the most popular act in AEW at that time. And I think a lot of people were very frustrated that they took the tiles off them right away or didn't have a long reign. So hopefully now they can have some fun with the trios titles now and with, with Billy Gunn and um, give them a, maybe a lengthy run here and have some fun and maybe really build up that trios division now. Um, so, but yeah, I, I, like I said, short match, it, it was fine for what it was, but yeah, it could have easily made invented uh, a dynamite or a collision mm -hmm. in but, uh, you know, I think if anything, it was just probably to give more breather between Will Ospreay and Chris Jericho and the main event with MGF and Adam Cole. So, right. um, so yeah, moving forward. So I'm guessing, well, because <laughs> based on the brand split of the roster, so FTR probably going to be more featured on Collision on Saturdays with the tag titles. And then the trios titles will get more featured more on dynamite now. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's how you kind of separate those titles as far as tag versus trios here. So um, hopefully, yeah, the claim can have some fun now, get some good TV time over on dynamite moving forward. So then we go into our main event. Now I'm not saying the main event was bad or anything, but it, it they told a good story. There was good storytelling, but there was parts of this match that kind of just took me out of it where I was just like, okay, this, oh, that's what we're doing. So Adam Cole totally played the heel here. MJF played the baby face. So mm -hmm. that was kind of weird because it was basically MJF showed compassion for Adam Cole where Adam Cole's whole thing was, I just want to win the belt. So that was the story mm -hmm. they were telling. And they did a really good mm -hmm. job. MJF got the devil entrance early on. And Adam mm -hmm. Cole came out to a great ovation when they did that. Boom. It was really cool to hear all those people do it at the same time. And then those people fell mm -hmm. asleep. Well, they got tired. I don't know if you can say fell asleep, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, tired. That, that's a better way of saying it. So <laughs> the ring, the bell rings and both men jump out of the ring. They then go and they grab their better than you, Bay Bay shirts and put them on cool, whatever. Again, it's stuff like that, that eh, it's, it's cute. So they're going at it early on, and there was a double down spot at one point, and then a leapfrog with some headlocks and a stalemate. There's a Fargo strut and a rude hivel slip from MJF that nearly led to him eating a super kick, which he dodged and Cole did a pose. MJF mm -hmm. started a sportsmanship chant, but poked Cole right in the eye. He's like, hey, I'm a scumbag. 
pulled and slapped MJF, and the match picked up with Cole hitting the fireman's carry neckbreaker on the knee. Both men then took turns pulling out the, each other's hair, basically, slamming each other and whatnot, as MJF faked a dive, turned his back, and then ate a super kick for two. Colvin said that they might be friends, but I'm better than you, MJF, and he rips off the t-shirt. And I'm like, oh, okay, so that's where we're going. He hulks up, but Cole raked the eyes. MJF then blocked a super kick, ran wild in the corner with some punches, and then MJF again was tempted to go for a dive, and this time actually did it. As everybody in the building was stunned. There was a double stomp to the arm for a little bit there. MJF went for the heat seeker. MJF got his... Uh, no. And Cole hit the heat seeker on MJF. And MJF got his foot on the ropes to break the hold. MJF then was sent into the steps on the outside. As Cole followed up with some violent drops of brain busters and whatnot. Taz says that this was right in front of MJF's parents who were in the front row. MJF didn't move for... The nine count. This is another spot. They do this with Bianca Belair a lot. This is another spot mm-hmm. that I don't really care for in wrestling. Somebody is just completely dead. The rest counting. Eight. Nine. And then all of a sudden, ching, whoo, they're in the ring. Yeah. That's one of those spots where they're like, oh, yeah, that, that's the, you want this to feel real, but then you do that spot. They do yeah. it with Bianca Belair often as well in WWE. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he breaks mm-hmm. the count. Doesn't get counted out. Or they're yelling on commentary. You know, if he gets counted out, Adam Cole wins, but he doesn't win the belt. What is Adam Cole waiting for? They really should have been like Adam Cole conflicted and then goes out and grabs Max and throws him in the ring because it's like, oh, I need to win the belt, not just the match. So, I don't know. Overthinking things myself. Cole wanted (laughs) to go for the Panama Sunrise, but MJF rolls to the outside. So, he swept the legs of Cole on the apron. MJF then cleared the announce table, but couldn't bring himself to actually... Hit his best friend with a tombstone, but his best friend said, screw you, I'll hit you with the tombstone instead. Table doesn't break. They tell us that there's like a metal bar in the table, and that's why it didn't break. So Cole then was able to hit a destroyer back inside the ring, but the momentum allowed MJF to kick out. Both men then rose to their feet and yelled for the double clothesline, so they collided double clotheslining each other. Both men's arms were then draped over one another, Referee Bryce Remsburg then counts one, two, three, and everybody's confused. And it goes to Justin Roberts and goes, double count. It's a draw. MJF retains the belt. So Adam Cole grabs the mic, and he goes, no, this match can't end like this. Max, five more minutes, which is a callback to their old match. And I'm like, why are we doing this? Just don't have this. Adam Cole or MJF then goes, no. You're not getting five more minutes. We're not going. We're, we're not ending this till we get a fucking winner in Wembley. And I'm like, okay. So you just you need to catch your breath. I don't know. It was a cute spot. It was a nice callback, but it took me out of the match. And almost for a while, I kind of was just sitting here, just watching, not really caring for at least two or three minutes because of this. Both men got some roll ups and whatnot. Cole charged at. Uh, MJF and collided with a referee. As MJF is smirking here, he grabs a chair. Both men then start playing hot potato, thinking, who's going to do the Eddie Guerrero spot first? Finally, um, they're playing hot potato with the chair until Cole bumped. So MJF wrapped the chair around his head. Played dead. Cole couldn't believe it as Bryce recovers and thought that he maybe used the chair. But then MJF schoolboys him and gets a two off of it. He has a thrust kick and a heat seeker for another near fall. 
They're on the apron where Cole hit the Florida Key on the apron or the edge of the ring. And then the Panama Sunrise to the floor. But MJF kicks out back inside the ring. Cole then wanted a proper one in the ring. But MJF pulled Bryce Remsburg in the way. And Bryce Remsburg takes a great-looking Panama Sunrise. Like, this was a good-looking spot. MJF then reached into his trucks and pulls out the trunks and pulls out the dynamite diamond ring. But then thinks better of it and puts it back in the trunks, doesn't want to use it again. Very weird way they're playing MJF here. So he goes for like a tombstone, but he couldn't pull the trigger. Roderick Strong then runs out and he low blows MJF. Cole then turns to realize what has happened. Strong's like, get him, go, Adam. And so Adam Cole sets up for another Panama Sunrise. He hits it, lowers the boom, but there's no referee. Count, count, uh, crowd counts to like 8, 9, 10 or whatever. Bryce Rensburg finally recovers, and MJF kicks out at the last second. Strong then threw the AEW belt into the ring, telling Cole to use it. And Cole kind of like was going to do it, but he couldn't do it. So Roderick Strong gets pissed, and Roddy leaves. Roddy walks to the back. As MJF surprised Cole with an inside cradle, rolls him up, one, two, three, real quick, flash, flash pin. It's like, really? That's how you're going to end the match? He just rolls him up? Biggest match you guys have ever done. As far as at the biggest show, main event, and there's just a flash roll-up? So what? Are we going to get another MJF-Adam Cole match? Uh, I don't know. The, the finish of this really confused me to what this is really for. Yeah, I, I thought we were gonna get a bigger story beat here yeah. with this with this between the two of them. I, I I think AEW probably realized okay, this is our best storyline going right now. We're let's not pull the plug on it yet or get to the, a major story beat just yet. Let's hold it off and stretch it out a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. It I really thought someone was gonna turn on someone tonight. Mm-hmm. My money starting to think Adam Cole is going to be the one that turns yes. on MJF and he forms a new faction with members of both factions he's worked with. You got Roderick Strong from the Undisputed Era from his time in NXT and then you got the Kingdom from his time in mm-hmm. Ring of Honor. So you got all four guys here who could be your, this new faction for him. Let's call and them so the New all- Kingdom. Yeah, or uh, I, I saw someone online said Undisputed Kingdom. Oh, <laughs> so, there you go. I like that. I like that. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So... <laughs> You got all four guys here, and I think the Kingdom guys are great replacements mm-hmm. for uh, Bobby Fish and uh, um, um, oh my God, why am I blanking on the other uh, 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 guy with the broken neck? Kyle O'Reilly. Covering. Kyle O'Reilly. I'm sorry, <laughs> Kyle, <laughs> but uh, uh, but yeah, th- and they all got history with each other, so it's a new form of of this faction. We'll see, I was kind of hoping when Roddy was jumping up on the apron, all of a sudden O'Reilly would show up and pull him off or something. I thought that would have been cool. Yeah, or or I thought maybe Adam Cole was going to hit him with the bell as right. well, but didn't go down that route. I I still think Adam Cole's going to turn. I think Adam Cole is – I love Adam Cole, and I, I, I do dig his baby face stuff. I think he is better off as a heel. and Which is I weird. It, yeah, yeah, it's weird. Because they, but, say, uh, they say the best pro wrestler is someone that takes who they are and just turns it up a little bit. Well, oh, I've white. been told by so many people, Adam Cole is the nicest, and this isn't just saying, but the nicest person you can ever meet, but plays exactly. the best piece of shit on TV you'll ever see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, I could see you know, MJF or Adam Cole go heel, yeah. turn on MJF, wins the title, gets it off him, 
And then MJF goes on a babyface run, I think, because he needs a, a, a character refreshment. I think mm. while at first I was kind of like scratching my head, like, shouldn't the world champion doing something different than what's going on here? But it's turned into this really compelling storyline about MJF. It, he's you're figuring out why he's been such an a-hole for all these years because he doesn't have right. friends he doesn't trust anyone he's got picked on he's been bullied so that's why he's turned into the guy that he is in the ring but now he's found someone that's been his friend someone he can trust and now you're starting to get really there's a lot of sympathy towards mjf so when if adam cole if and when he does turn on mjf you're gonna have so much more sympathy towards mjf he has to stay being a mm. baby face. And we've seen him for the last what, four years be on, on mainstream television, right. be this heel yelling heel that screams all the time. You know, I'm getting a little bored with that. And mm. so him being a, a sympathetic baby face and, and being a, such a good talker that he is, this could be something really interesting moving forward for, for the time being. Mm. And so I really want to see MJF stay being a baby face. Adam Cole being the new heel champion with this new faction around him and going on this tear. I think if anything, this ending here, it ended on a happy note with both of them celebrating and it's just holding off the inevitable of of one turning on the other. Mm -hmm. So I think if anything, it just, they realize, okay, let's let this run a little bit longer. So how do we, how do we protect both of them? How we keep the title on MJF? This so I think all in all, this is the best ending they could have done just to accomplish all the the tasks that they have here as far as moving forward with this storyline. Right, and then we get the post match stuff where MJF. Well, so Adam Cole's crying in the corner. MJF yeah. sees the belt in the ring. He goes, "Oh, is this all you ever wanted? You weren't really my friend." Da 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 da. He throws the belt. At Adam Cole goes, "Fine, if you don't want to be my friend, you can have the belt." And then he's like, "No, mm-hmm. no, no, no." And then he does the whole thing that Adam Cole did for him on Collision a few weeks ago. He's like, "The crowd still loves you." We're best bros. This and that. And he grabs the ROH tag titles. Now Cole's like, I don't want that. And he throws the title away. MJF mm-hmm. then broke down and calls Cole a fake piece of shit. That's when he threw the, <laughs> the AEW title at him. He says, were we never mm-hmm. friends? What? Just hit me with the belt then. Do it. Take me out. And I'm like, really? We saw this already, but the roles reverse. This was kind of... Uh. Roddy then jumps back up on the apron. Do it, Cole. Do it, Adam. Do it. And then Cole throws, <laughs> throws down the belt and hugs MJF. Cole and MJF mm-hmm. stood tall in the ring as the kingdom is holding Roddy back in the ram- on the ramp, and the show goes off the air with a bunch of pyro and confetti. And then Nigel's like, man, there's so much confetti all over the desk. I don't know what to do. <laughs> but yeah, overall, really good show. Of course, mm-hmm. just like any WWE five-hour show, the crowd's going to get tired, and your main event's going to suffer slightly. Yeah. And uh, I think, if anything, after tonight or today in London, and the fact they announced All In coming back next year in London, I think this motivates WWE so much more to follow through with what John Cena was right. teasing at Money in the Bank uh, back in July, that uh, I'm sure WrestleMania is going to be in London in the near future. So within the next couple of years, I'm sure WWE wants to make sure they do a WrestleMania in London and mm-hmm. beat all the records that AEW oh, yeah. got got today. But here's the here's the difference though. So the report this morning was that AEW paid like three to four hundred dollars four hundred thousand to rent the stadium. Okay. But when WWE goes into a city for mania, they're just given. Like it's they work out a thing with the government and the government's gonna make a bunch of money off of tourism, mm-hmm. isn't that? So it's like if is WWE 
want if if WWE were to want to go in there and break all these records that AEW have now yeah. set, will they mm-hmm. say screw it, we'll pay for the building, or do they still want to work out some agreement with the government like they normally do, like they've been doing? It'd be interesting that, that could be the, the whole new, yeah, the, the new powers that be with the merge going on with WWE mm-hmm. and Endeavor, and uh, I'm sure for them, how much do they want to control the record? books and what people know wwe for and how much they want that bragging right like we're right. the biggest company in the world we always have the biggest shows to date and we want to break that attendance record so how much is it worth it to them to have that that title of biggest show ever so mm-hmm. their egos might be like you know what? fine let's pay let's <laughs> get over let's get that stadium for us and let's do wrestlemania in a few years and let's just break all the records and shut everyone else up. So it seems like the earliest it could be is 2026, because next year we've got Philly. Yeah. It's being reported mm-hmm. Minneapolis for the year next after that, 25. So maybe uh-huh. 2026. Could 25 or 2025, could that be Brock Lesnar's last WrestleMania in his home state? or Ooh, uh, the, the, If he lasts Minnesota. that long. Yeah, just throwing it out there. Just something to think about in That'd the cool. next, year, next year and a half. Right. So we'll see. But yeah, overall, I thought All In was a really good show. It, for the most part, delivered. Again, mm-hmm. they they went to the well a little too much with the roll-up and the hardcore aspect. Yeah. But other than that, I thought it was a really good show that now we got another one next weekend. We got a WWE pay-per-view next Saturday as well. And then so much other stuff to go. So much wrestling to watch and see. But I want to thank Baby Huey for being here with me, joining I me. I was so little time right. as well to consume it all. Yeah. But again, uh, thank you so much for joining me here talking AW All In. Tell the people where they can find you. Oh, you're welcome, Tim. I appreciate it uh, for you giving me the time on your platform. <laughs> uh, love everything you do. Always, I can't thank you enough and respect everything you do and help me out behind the scenes with, with my podcast, In The Click. So yeah, for anyone Wants to follow my wrestling podcast in the click. I do it with Brian Tronic, but Tim is a regular. I, I say you're, you're you're the third man, brother. You're the official, unofficial third co-host of this podcast. So uh, uh, subscribe to In the Click. That's K L I Q. Where we get your podcasts at. Subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please give us a five star rating. Leave a review there as well. Um, uh, share the podcast as well. You can follow us on social at In the Click as well. If you want to email me. In the click at gmail.com. If you want to follow me personally, uh, Baby Huey Official on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at Baby Huey83. And thank you guys for, for listening to me ramble today, this <laughs> afternoon. And uh, thank you for the support. And uh, Tim, thank you again for letting me be uh, on the review with you. Oh, yeah, anytime. Glad to have you whenever you want to jump on and just talk wrestling. Love doing your show. Love you coming here and doing this. So, with that, guys, I want to say thank you for joining me here. Twitch.tv forward slash PeteWUnlimited. YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited. And podcast services all around the globe like Stitcher, Spotify, Google Pod, Apple Pod, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and so much more. I'll be back live, I guess, what's today? Sunday. So tomorrow morning for the mm-hmm. wrestling wrap-up. Then we'll do tomorrow evening for Monday Night Raw. And if any more news does come out on this CM Punk Jack Perry thing, we will cover it later today or tomorrow, whatever. I know we'll do like a big rundown of everything we get overnight on the wrap-up tomorrow so figure it all out we'll see it and we got more wrestling news to come so have a great night guys and we'll see you next time have a good one guys